Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DestralProds.com movies and television podcast. As always, I'm dead. Joining today, we have Caveman. Aloha. Unfortunately, Cap will no longer be with us. He is going through some stuff. Our hearts go out to him. Yep, if he ever wants to come back, he is more than welcome back, but for now, he is in the wind. But anyway, we're here. We're here to talk about stuff. And things. So yeah. many things. Some of those things and stuff are the same things and stuff. And some of those things and stuff are current. Mostly yeah. Dead Man's things and stuff. Yeah, four of my things are current. One of them is from 1992, and the other one is from three years ago. I think all of my stuff is more recent than that. Well, one of them is 90s, I think. Unless it's 1991, then... I don't know when it came out. Let me check. Also, if I sound weird, uh, I apologize for that. Um, I am working on a new mic setup for a new place I'm moving to. And because of that, I had to get a new mic stand. But because of that, my pop filter wouldn't work with it. <laughs> oh, fuck. And because of that, I can't talk directly to the microphone. Because if I do, then things get really breathy. And the plosives come through a lot harsher. So You'll explain what plosives are to me once we're done recording. <laughs> plosives are the sound P sounds make, as you hear when I, whenever I say anything, any kind of P word, like parrot or parable. Or plot. Or, or podcast. Or P. Or P. Or peas. <laughs> or or peace. penis. <laughs> or dicks. <laughs> so yeah, I am talking to the side of my microphone. And I just hit it with my finger. So yeah, I'm talking to the side of my microphone, so... If I sound weird, that's why. I am getting a new pop filter that will be working with this thing so i'll be able to just, so i'll be able to speak directly back into it again get that broadcast buttery goodness buttery goodness i'm rolling from Burnley. <laughs> all right do you want to go first or should i oh yeah fuck it i'll go first all right so that guy's voltron oh voltron i'm gonna start with my biggest problem and that is the length. See, so Voltron Season 3. This is the new Voltron uh, Legendary Defender series from DreamWorks, uh, Studio Mir, and Netflix. And a problem I had with Season 1 and 2 is that they both felt like half a season of a TV show. See, like, you know uh, what I've, the feeling I've got now? What's that? I feel like we finally got a whole season. I don't. I feel like we got half a half a season. No, I mean like all three seasons together. Okay, yeah, that. Yep, yeah, totally. Uh, with with all three seasons together, that's thirty three episodes. Yeah, that I is mean, about the length of an animated season of television. Or at least it was in the nineties. Yeah, which is yeah, or, or like I think Avatar was like thirty three episodes, like thirty some episodes a season. Yeah, something like that. I think it was like 36. Close enough. But yeah, so the first two seasons were 13 episodes each, and they had the same ratio of like actual plot episodes to filler episodes, but 
because of that, because of that, like they were only, it, it all felt like half. It all felt like there was chunks missing or that like there were episode or like season long story arcs or something that got just fucking cut down because they needed to, they needed to trim it down to fucking 13 episodes. There is one important thing to note here. Filler is not a dirty word with this show. No, like the filler episodes usually inform some aspect of the character or are at least fun. In my opinion, every filler episode is somewhat important to at least one character that we're, you know, interacting with on the regular. Yeah, it's weird. It's almost, Hell, like, it's almost even, like it's a real TV show or something. Even Karan gets major, like, development over the course of the show. <laughs> yeah, he does. I mean, fucking Christ. Karan comes to terms with the fact that he's going through middle age. And that's a major, like, that's, that's big for him. Has there been an episode devoted to the mice yet? I don't remember. And I'm pretty sure I'd remember, because that feels like it would be a wasted episode. The most mice-centric episode we've seen so far is... Like, I think the season... Either a season finale or a season opening. Where... Allura... Where Allura Koran and the palace are stuck in a time loop. Oh yeah, that episode. And just every time <laughs> Baby they go through, Yeah, and every time they go through the time loop, Koran gets younger, keeps the same job, but just gets younger as a person, and the mice change into different creatures. That was a good episode. You know, that's how time works. Uh I I am looking forward to watching that again now. Because <laughs> I'm rewatching the entire series after having watched the final season. Just so that I can see how everything ties together, because I'm that kind of nerd. Uh-huh. But anyway, so last season, the uh, end of last season, um, the Paladins of Ultron went, fought Zarkon, defeated Zarkon, but Shiro was lost in the process. He just fucked off to nowhere. And then the weird... Uh, what's Allura's race? Altaians. Yeah, the Altaian druid lady. Uh, she's like summoned um, Prince Lotor. Hagar is uh just for those of you who don't know. <laughs> uh, in the at the end of the last season, it's revealed that Hagar is an Altaian, and we actually get a really, really good episode explaining all of that nonsense. Yep, the season finale. Oh, it's such a good episode. Oh, it's the season finale, and it is a disappointing finale. It's it's a good episode. It's a great episode, but as a season finale, where the buildup has been the Paladins versus motherfucking Lotor, to have it end with the explanation of why Zarkon is a bad guy. Well, also how he survived for ten thousand years. Yeah, it turns out fucking magic. Raw life force? Fucking magic, dude. Like, I'm hesitant to use the word magic. They use the word magic a lot, but they actually, like, at least half-assedly attempt to explain it. So. (laughs) (sighs) So, anywho. Yeah, going into the season, I saw that it was seven episodes, and... It felt like seven episodes. Like you were like you were talking about um 
how it really bugged you that the Castlevania series was called a season of TV for four episodes. Oh, yeah, no. Like, when I saw that it was seven episodes, I silently swore, because I've been waiting for months for this. Yeah. But I think I think they've announced that we're going to be getting season four before the year's out. We better, because I will cut a motherfucker if I don't get to see what's going on. Yeah, so the I main... want Shiro to take that, that new ship. That would be so cool. Especially if it could fuse with Voltron. Oh, that would be so awesome. Yeah, so the main thrust of the season is with Shiro gone, they need somebody else to pilot the Black Lion or Voltron is gone. Like, the Lions are still there, but they can't form Voltron because they need the Black Lion to form Voltron. And without a pilot, they're fucked. So then it falls to Keith, who takes over piloting the Black Lion. Lance piles the Red Lion, and then Allura gets the Blue Lion. But they never change their fucking armor color, which really bugs me. Yeah, that bugs me too. Like, Allura explain I that's actually something I really like. They kept the fact that Allura wears pink, but they explained why she wore pink, and it's not because she's a girl. Nope. <laughs> On Altea, the color of mourning is pink. Yeah. Which honestly kinda makes sense given that different colors mean different things in different cultures, so I'm all for it. It's it's great. Um, yeah, well, she couldn't get like she couldn't get like pink ac- she couldn't get like um pink accented blue armor. It's a small yeah, it complaint. Me it is, is a small complaint, to... but it color shit like that really bugs me when it's not done right. I watched the original series, so it bugs me a lot. Yeah, like fuck, um, like fucking Power Rangers: Dino Thunder. The fact that they all had yellow morphers really bugged me. It shouldn't, but it does. <laughs> See the light. But yeah, so that is the main thrust of this season. It is Shiro learning to accept the responsibility of having to be the new leader with Shiro gone, accepting that Shiro's gone, uh, having Keith. Yeah, sorry, Keith. Um, having Lance accept the fact that Keith, the guy that he has generally had a kind of hate boner for is like the leader of the team and needs to be there for good support. And actually becoming a better person because of it. Yeah. Like Lance really improves as like seasons one. Well, the first half of the series, I'm like, Lance, stop being a dick. Put your penis in your pants. Shut the fuck up. Lance, Lance, shut up, please. God damn it. Lance. But then Lance realized, Oh wait, I, I'm not. Lance realizes his position on the team and goes for it. And because of that, he ends up feeling a lot more round, a lot more like rounded out when he like throws jabs at Keith. It's not they don't feel like they don't feel like they're supposed to be like intentionally hurtful like they were when he was initially doing it. Now it just feels like, hey, yeah, we're buddies. We might die together, so I feel like I should get this relationship back on good terms, which is nice. And yeah, then uh, Laura is just. And she's just like, yeah, I need to pilot this lion, but I can't. She's kind of the weakest out of the out of like the main focus characters this this time around. Well, one good thing is she's already gotten a lot of character development and growth in the other seasons. She came into her own. 
like when she decided to do away with the hologram of her father. Yeah, and like they have the memory engrams of her father. Yeah, and like they have been kind of building this up where she has been very much wanting to be a paladin. Like that is another like driving force of hers is that she wants to go out there and fight, but she, since she can't do it as Voltron, she does it with the palace. Now she actually isn't Voltron. She's trying to overcorrect. She is being real shitty about it. She's a bitch. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but like, we kind of already got that with a bunch of their characters. So having Alora do it now, while it makes sense, doesn't really have the same impact as it had with any of the other characters who had ever had problems with their lions. It's actually really, it's odd how quickly she adapts and how quickly well they the team adapts to having three new members because it's not oh we just have like two people swapping around no it's basically three new members because everybody's swapping lions keith has to learn how to deal with the slow as fuck lion um, Lance has to de- learn how to deal with the ridiculous speed of the Red Lion. And Alora has to deal with having never been a Lion pilot at all. Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile, Pidge and Punk are just there. The only ones who can fly competently anymore. Yeah, like, I, I would have really liked it a lot more if they had done something, anything with the fact that the Red Lion is supposed to be really hard to control. Like that was the thing that they set up. Like when when they were when they were initially gathering all the lions, although it was like the red lion is the hardest to control. He has a will of his own and is super fucking grr alpha about it. And then Keith, I was really expecting him to act like a bucking bronco pretty much every time he got a new pilot. Oh yeah, totally. And but instead, Keith gets sucked a- into space, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I guess you're my pilot now. Let's go do this shit." Yeah. Red just never really lived up to its potential, in my opinion. Nope. Anyway, yeah. So, with Zarkon dead, uh, the paladins are going around dealing with any remaining um, troops of the Galra Empire. Well, they're building a um, building a new alliance to fight against him. Because they save, like, five planets and then lose, like, two of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they do. And lose them to Prince Lotor, who, in his introduction, shows that he is a very different kind of evil emp- evil, uh, evil emperor than his dad. He's more cunning and guile, where his, his father is, I'm just going to kill you. Yeah, his father is you just... disagree? I'm just going to kill you. Yeah, his father acts like you would expect a person who looks like his father to act. Just super aggro, you fail me, you die. Meanwhile, Lotor is... Lotor tries to get people actually on his side. He pretends to care about them, he pretends to like have their best interests at hearts, where really he is just as evil and self-centered as his dad is, but he hides it better. Because he has come to the conclusion... Smartly, that, hey, ruling with an iron fist through nothing but fear and intimidation, that don't work. I actually like would like to believe that he does care for some people, yeah, namely his, bros. his closest subordinates. Yeah. His little posse. Like his team of monsters 
and freaks. Though, did you notice, um, fuck, what's her name? I feel like the big bulky alien has the same voice as Jasper from Steven Universe. Yeah, probably. Like, it sounds so similar. And I'm just sitting there like, are you the same character? I will check. <coughs> yeah. Uh, bar- uh, yeah, so I guess we'll get into spoilers for this. Like, deeper, I guess, than we have. Well, I'd actually like to take a moment to actually talk about, you know, kind of each of the main cast, because there is, a, like, a massive difference from when we first met them to now for pretty much everyone. Well, except Pidge and Hunk. Well, Pidge came out, I guess, and Hunk has been getting more and more confident as the series has gone on, which is not something that a show would usually do with the comedy character. Though, funny huh. funny moment, I no, actually um, was watching it for the first time with my fiancé, and she called Pidge was a girl from episode two. Yeah, most people did, including the cast. I didn't. <laughs> thought Pidge was a boy until, like, the episode where they decide to reveal it. I realized Pidge was a girl right before they revealed it. <laughs> yeah, and then every single character except for Lance was like, yeah, we knew that. Anyway, so fun fact. Uh, the voice of Jasper is the voice of Allura. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Turns out she's talented. <laughs> I'm not surprised, but I would not have called that. Yeah. Then who the hell is voicing Bulky Alien? If I knew her name, I'd be able to tell you. Eh, I don't know her name because I don't. I'm not sure they've ever said it. They probably did like a throwaway line, but she is she is like evil lieutenant number five. Her name doesn't really matter at this point until they start actually. Until they start, like, for reals, just characterizing her like they have with other villains, then we're probably not really going to get anything much from her. I'm also very curious as to when Lotor was born. Eh, probably a couple decades ago. But what I want to know is I want to know more about that fucking... Uh, so, they imply that uh, one of the one of his lieutenants, uh, the main lady one... Uh, it's implied that she was the soldier that Keith encountered in that alien stomach. I'm pretty sure that it's like like all they need to do to confirm it is just say it. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see what that amounts to, I guess. Because that's kind of interesting. Anyway, yeah, uh, so that so that character's name is Zethrid. Yeah, I've, I've been Googling while you've been talking. And she's voiced by Jamie Gray Hyder. Okay. Who was... What has Jamie Gray Hyder done? She was a werewolf in True Blood. Well, it's nice to see that she's getting to do something of importance. She's also in Graceland, NCIS, Bones, Rizzoli, and Isles. What the fuck? And Call of Duty. Yeah. I mean, naturally, that's that's the career progression right there. 
Seriously, what the fuck is Rizzoli and Isles? I've, I've seen this show fucking everywhere and never looked up anything about it. I've got no clue. Anyway, Voltron. It's good. It just needs more. Just needs so much goddamn more. But, yeah, like... Fuck, when are they going to go back to the fucking rock people? Yeah, no, that was actually... Punk was fucking putting in work there. (laughs) I was about to say the same thing. No, it's... Fucking, what is her name, Shay? Yeah, Shay. Yeah, I figured Punk had that on fucking like. I wonder if, um, like, ah, uh, fuck, what is it? Uh, Steven Universe threatened to sue them because it was like, hey, hey, no rock characters, that's our territory. <laughs> They're not real rocks, they just kind of look like they're made of rocks. And that was English I just spoke. Jesus. Yeah, like, the lieutenants, they're fun, like, they're interesting visually, they add something new to the story and kind of actually flesh out a bit more of the, like, the Galra Empire, because the big thing with them is that they are all half-breeds. And the Galra are very much big on pure blood. Like, they'll fuck another species, but they don't believe in fucking another species. Yeah, it's weird, it's almost like they're a fascist regime or something. They don't believe the produce of fucking another, uh, fucking another species is of any worth. Yeah, so... So Lotor himself is a fairly disruptive force because he is the son of Zarkon and Hagar, a Galra, and an Altaian. <laughs> Meanwhile, the rest of them oh. are the children of Galra and various other species. So apparently, when a Galra decides to stick it, his wick will get wet. What? I wonder how they do that. I don't know. They don't think the about Galra it very much. Are the Galra like it's, the Asari like, of the galaxy? The Galra are... They got dicks. Have Everything we seen it, a female Galra? Uh, kind of now we have. And what about uh, Hagar's witches? Are they Galra or are they... Guys. I don't think we get to see them well enough to actually say. I mean, they, they have huh. to, right? Like, they... They might be the Asari of the galaxy. Well, I mean, like, they produce sexually. They, they reproduce sexually, so... It implies... I'm rewatching the series. I'll tell you next time whether or not I think there are any female Galra. Okay. And this is what we're talking about. This is. Every once in a while, I just have a moment of realization of, oh, I'm having a serious discussion about whether or not there are females the in this alien species. The reproductive cycle of a species. <laughs> yeah. Anywho. Nerds! Getting later in the series. This is, I guess, this is spoilers the entire fucking time. Who cares? So yeah, getting later in the series, uh, we see that Shiro survived th- through fucking magic or whatever and is being held hostage by the Galra. He manages to escape, but it appears to be a part of the Galra 
dastardly plan. I'm assuming he's a clone. Maybe. He's either a clone, some kind of replicant, or is brainwashed. Going full Young Justice, he's Arsenal. I'm going to find the real Shiro, and he's going to be missing his other arm now. <laughs> Maybe that's why they took his arm in the first place. Maybe we've never known the real Shiro. <laughs> Maybe that's why the Black Lion teleported him away, and, uh, you know. And now refuses to fly with him. Yeah. Who knows? Well, the yeah. Writers, I mean, if we had I maybe, I mean, if we I had maybe the like writers know. Yeah, I mean, if we had maybe like more episodes to flesh that story out before the next fucking season. But no, we get I seven. I really hope the writers know. Like, I pray the writers know. Yeah, and probably my favorite thing this actual fucking uh, series was the weird alternate reality episode. Alternate. Oh yeah, that one. I yeah. kept expecting someone to just be themselves with a mustache. Yeah, like uh, they. Yeah, so it, one of the later episodes, uh, they get some kind of distress signal from this uh, from this research vessel, and they go and find it, which is in the middle of the fucking event hor- which is in the middle of an event horizon, and nothing can pass through it except for Voltron. And it turns out that's because the actual rift itself was caused by a meteorite made of the same material that was used to make Voltron. And they cross over to alternate reality where the Altaeans are evil. They're basically the Galra, but like worse because they employ mind control. Or is the Galra just, you know, just, you know, follow me or die theirs now. Yeah. And also like fun thing, uh, an alternate version of Shiro shows up and he's called Sven. And he has the accent that is apropos. Yes, and for those who don't know... Yorgi Smorgi Torgan. Yeah, and for those who don't know, uh, Shiro, in the original um, Voltron series, he was called Shiro in Japan, but when they brought it over to America, they renamed him Sven. Yeah. Uh, I love being a nerd. Yeah, it was fun. We also got to see that weird asshole who's like... We also got to see that weird, like, caterpillar person. Pan-dimensional motherfucker. Yeah. Because he exists in all realities and is the, and is the same in all of them. Yeah, and we also get the full history of the creation of uh, Voltron, uh, the alliance that was formed, the alliance that was formed between like the various races. We get to see more races who were like who were like at the same level of Gulra and Altaian, because up till now we haven't really had that. Like everybody else, everybody else is like aware of, like every other race that we've met so far is aware of like the greater galactic power thing or whatever, but the only people who've actually been like major players in it have been the Galra and the Altaians. So having like three whole other races, you like actually on that same stage. That was nice. Yeah. Hacker's a bitch. That's the fucking worst. Yeah, Voltron. It's good. Watch it, motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, one thing else you might want to watch. That new DuckTales. It is... It's really good. Like, in a way I didn't expect. 
And actually, you can watch it for free right now. Uh, Disney actually uh, released the first episode for free on YouTube. Serious? Yeah. The Disney XD uh, YouTube channel. Sorry, recording over. Gotta go watch that now. Man, it's a 44-minute episode. And it works incredibly well. Uh, probably biggest problem just out the gate is... Um, I don't really think I actually have that big of a problem. Like, like some of them, some of them are a bit, some of the things are a bit weird. Like, uh, the kid, like a uh, Huey, Dewey and Louie, they don't even try to make them sound like kids. It sounds That's like, it sounds like Danny weird. Putty. It sounds like Danny Putty, uh, Bobby Moynihan and the third one. Wow. To be the third one. I don't even, that, I don't even know who's playing. I don't know who's fucking playing the third fucking triplet. You just actually look that up because I I want to give him I want to give him credit. Uh, ben Schwartz. Yeah, so it's Danny Putty is Huey, Ben Schwartz is Dewey, and Bobby Moynihan is Louie. And yeah, so the three of them are the are living with their uncle Donald on his houseboat. Uh, Donald is going to a job interview, and they are doing their best to force him out of the fucking boat so that they can hijack the boat and go partying or whatever fuck the triplets do. So Donald uh, drops him off with Scrooge and Scrooge is apparently in in this, in this continuity. Uh, Scrooge, Scrooge is like adventuring is actually a huge part of his character. Wasn't that true for the original? I don't like, remember. Like the only, the only thing I remember is that he was like this fucking rich asshole. And then they just happened to go on adventures. Wasn't like the first fucking episode them going to like a secret lost city. Yeah, but I and don't like all of the comics are of their adventures like to Minecraftia and shit. Yeah, but I don't particularly remember anything like uh, like going. I'm I'm basing this off of like half remembered episodes that I watched when I was five. But it was but it wasn't like they went. To, it wasn't like when fucking Donald said, "Hey, you're going to see Uncle Scrooge." They weren't like, "What that famous adventurer?" They were just like, "Oh fuck, Uncle Scrooge," and they just and they just happened to go on adventures. Like this is very specifically Scrooge McDuck is world renowned adventurer, and they are aware of it. But yeah, it's okay. Uh, yeah, and so Scrooge once um, once we actually meet Scrooge, he has not been adventuring for a while. Like when we actually see him, he is hanging out, um, like just kind of like kind of like shuffling a stack of coins as a bunch of vultures tell him about stock reports. Because you know he's a businessman. Uh, and Mrs. Beakley, she, they really did a number on Mrs. Beakley and Webby for this series. Like, uh, they, Scrooge is, Scrooge is still Scrooge. Donald is still Donald. Did they make them into characters? Uh, yeah, actually. Good. Yeah. That's a very good thing. Yeah. Mrs. Webby, instead of being a, like, instead of being essentially Mrs. Doubtfire, but a duck. Yeah, she... Is a lot more strict. Uh, she actually regularly talks back to fucking Scrooge. Like she, she, she handles like stuff around the house and is, and like listen, work. you over wealthy asshole. Yeah, like anytime Scrooge tells her to do anything, like all right, cancel all my fucking appointments or whatever. She's like, she's like I need to remind you, I'm not your secretary. And Webby is Mabel. What? Wendy's Webby is just Mabel. 
Can they get sued for that? Not really, because it's on the same network. Okay. Well, I guess, so she, yeah, so she's Mabel. Um, like they, like she, they, she like acts the same. She is a bit more. She like has the same manic energy about her. Same kind of voice in the intonation, like um, Kate Micucci, I believe is her name. Uh, she's the one doing the voice, and she is very much going for a Kristen Shaw kind of thing. And like even in the opening, t- even in the opening title sequence, Webby has a grappling hook. So yeah, that's she's just. Th- I think they do enough with her that it's not just a straight rip of Mabel. It's like Ultimate Universe Mabel, but it's still Mabel. And they actually do a, they actually do a very limited but still their job of trying to characterize the triplets. Hmm. Well, I'm definitely going to load that YouTube video uh, right now. Sorry, recording over. Sad to say it, guys. <laughs> have a very short re- review this week. Uh, yeah, I'm so the, the, yeah, the first episode is largely focused on Dewey. Uh, Dewey is obsessed with, like, adventuring. Like, that is his whole... He, he fucking loves the idea of adventuring. And the first adventure that he goes on is an adventure where all of the traps and stuff are basically nullified because the whole city is upside down. Cool. Yeah, like they go they go to find Atlantis and the like support and like the the history that we get for this is that the support structures that they built for Atlantis were so shitty that the city that they collapsed and the city flipped over and sunk to the bottom of the ocean. That is actually really cool. I like that. Yeah, so they so uh, they get in there and Scrooge is like, "All right, so kids, you stay by the fucking boat with Webby and Launchpad. I'm going to win, get the shit. Where's Dewey?" Have they gotten to the Darkwing episode yet? Nope. They are one episode in. They released the first episode on YouTube and then the rest of the episodes won't be coming until September. I'm so excited for the fact that Darkwing Duck is coming back. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to that point. Uh yeah, so like uh, they lose Dewey, they immediately run in after him, and Dewey is just super disappointed because like, because like he walked into a room that's full of fucking saw blades that can come and open and all do all kinds of horrible shit, but they're all on the ceiling because all the death traps are upside down. Oh, he's upset that he can't do the death traps. Yeah, of course, because that's one of the thrills of adventuring. And once he actually gets to a death trap that works, uh, he just fucking goes through the entire thing. Setting off every trap, but all of them are thwarted because Donald Duck is there. Because Donald Duck is also an adventurer, or at least a past adventurer, who, while going to a, who ends up being hired by um by uh the other Scrooge's rival Duck. What's his fucking name? Oh, the super Scottish one, Glomgold. Yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, he ends up being hired by Glomgold. To go on an adventure to go find Atlantis before Scrooge does. <laughs> yeah, and so Donald, uh, he, as Dewey is setting up all these traps, Donald's just like going through, trying to like turn them all off, like or like or at least block them with like a fucking shield, because the two of them, like Scrooge and Donald, used to actually go on adventures all the fucking time, but they've had a huge falling out over the course of some number of years, and now barely talk to each other. Like, when they actually, like, when he goes and drops him off, he really doesn't want to do it because he just fucking hates Scrooge for some reason. And once the two of them actually meet, it's just, they just fucking hate each other. 
There's, and there's actually a backstory to that and a relationship that isn't that isn't initially established. And I really fucking like that. It, they made fucking DuckTales a modern cartoon. Also, they brought up the fact that Huey, Dewey, and Louie have a mom and that it's central to the plot. It is... Wow. Yeah. That is actually a little shocking. Yeah, the, yeah, the end of the episode, there's a painting in, like, Scrooge's garage. Do they have of, a dad? Yeah, it is, it, is a, it is a painting of, like, Scrooge fighting this evil parrot, pirate, ghost. And Donald's swinging off a rope, and then, like, a corner of it is folded down. And then at the end of the episode, Dewey kind of just sees it, folds it up, and just goes, Mom? Because Mom was apparently... Because his mom... Because A... His mom exists, and B, she was an adventurer alongside Donald and Scrooge. Uh-oh. I'm not looking forward to that backstory. Yeah, and the humor is fucking on point this entire fucking episode. It is real goddamn weird, but it works in a lot in a lot of cases. Like, 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 like a lot of the jokes are real funny, like the vultures doing the fucking stock report. The episode starts with a seagull floating around and then landing on a bunch of boats that have bird captains on them, and the captains are all just, ah, fuck off. Are the old Hasidic Jew vultures? Uh, no, they're just vultures. Okay, because Danny Phantom did that first. I know, but still, and uh, and like the first real big action sequence that we get in the series is a real fun thing. It is a, it is the ghost pirate pirate. It is the ghost parrot pirate, uh, and his headless horseman, the headless horseman, which is a headless horse. That has the capability of human thought, and the, and the parrot and the parrot. Why is like, have I never sh-? thought of that? And and the and the parrot goes is like, I will not leave you alone until I have the head of Scrooge McDuck. So Scrooge knocks the head off a statue of him and tosses it to him. Oh, I should have been more specific. As he fades away, and the head falls on the horse, and the horse just taps out with his hoof, like finally a head. I'm no longer a freak. Thank you, Scrooge, and just walks away. <laughs> yeah seriously as soon as this recording's over i'm watching that fucking episode because this is fucking awesome sounding and launchpad is just launchpad like they didn't really change anything about launchpad but you don't really need to because he's launchpad and a quack and he's kind of perfect <laughs> yeah the new ducktales it is shockingly great I mean, fucking everything. Like, the art style works really well. All the animation is fucking fluid as hell. I think it's all done in Flash. Really? I think so. Let me double check that. I remember reading that it was all... That a lot of it was done in Flash. Yeah, I don't know, but it... It looks really fucking good. And it all works incredibly well. And there's like no, and like from what I saw anyway, there was no obtrusively terrible CG in it. It was just good old fashioned animation. Give it a month. Yeah, give it a month, true. Yeah, theme song is still as oppressively catchy as ever. And I can't fucking wait to see where this goes. Uh, the series proper will actually be starting in September, like end of September, which is unfortunate, but you know, fuck it. We got to do this, I guess. I highly recommend trying to catch the first episode before then, because they'll probably pull it. 
yeah, maybe, maybe. or they'll just leave it up. Who knows? Uh, actually, they, they'll probably pull it and then put it on their own fucking bullshit streaming service. Yeah, because they're doing that. Like Disney had announced that they're pulling all their fucking movies from Netflix and stuff in order to put them on their own dedicated streaming service. Because yeah, you know what, what I fucking love? Thing. Having 19 goddamn accounts. I'm probably going to end up buying that streaming service because they're probably going to put shit like Kim Possible and a bunch of other shit that I want on it. <laughs> God damn it. Why? Why Why not just let people use Netflix? Because get fucked. Do you think you're going to stream that on there too? What? It's a porno called Get Fucked. I was... Never mind. <laughs> anyway, yeah, just if you, if you, if you, if you can't check it out, do I really recommend that new DuckTales? It is. If you're a fan of cartoons nowadays, that is going to be that is definitely one of them, and it will work. It it'll work. It'll get you there. It'll get you where you're going. A series that'll very much stop you from where you're going. Rick and Morty. So I talked with Birdie about Rick and Morty before. And he says that he can't watch too much of it because it just kind of gets him in too much of a depression. Because of how fucking nihilistic the show is. That's why I don't watch it. <laughs> and up till now... Seriously, I, I watched like five, six episodes of it. And I had to stop. Because I don't like things that are just mean-spirited to be mean-spirited. <laughs> which is kind of what I feel about Jessica Jones. And, like, Rick and Morty, while it can be fun and lighthearted and all those other words, is mean-spirited at its core. Okay. Yeah, so I... I watched. I'm watching it. I'm still watching it. And season three is a surprisingly nihilistic series. Like, I... Like I, I've been one that's always been able to handle a certain amount of nihilism. It's why I'm able to read anything by Hiroya Oku because that motherfucker hates everybody. But I'm able to read that stuff and actually somewhat enjoy myself while reading it. With this, with this series, I've been able to watch it. I've been able to watch it and enjoy it because I have been. It has been. It has been like nihilistic, but not to a horrible degree. With this, it just fucking turns that up to goddamn eleven. In a way, I can't really. It's in a way that I can't really quantify. Like, there's nothing that they do that is. Like, there's nothing that I've been able to like actually watch that has been more. That has been like more. Um, there's nothing. There's nothing inherently different about what they're doing here. It is still Rick and Morty. It is still insane fucking weird ass scenarios and humor and stuff with Rick just being whatever. Like there's an entire episode where Rick is a pickle. The episode's called Pickle Rick and he's basically turned himself into a pickle to avoid having to go to family therapy because at the end of season, at the end of season two, uh, Jerry and Beth got divorced. What? Yeah. 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 Jerry and Beth broke up. And so Jerry is now living in a shitty hotel bedroom while Beth is living at home and building like fucking statues out of amputated horse hooves. 
Okay. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Beth and sorry, meanwhile, Summer and Morty are going through their own shit. And understandably, their mother is building things out of horse hooves. She's a surgeon; she gets them. Isn't that a thing? Like with surgeons, like they amputate something, they get to keep it. No. Huh. What world do you live in, dead man? Apparently, we already talked to my doctor about something. Anyway, yes, they have to go to like family. Beth is making them go to family therapy because she thinks there's something fucking wrong with the kids. And so Rick's like, I don't want to go. So, hey, I'm a pickle. Hey, pickle. Yeah. You want to know what's wrong with the kids? One of them saw himself. One of them. One of them killed themselves or no buried their own bodies. And the other Jesus Christ. Yeah, kind of. But, but what, this what? is the kind of shit that makes me say this show is too mean. But like while that is happening, while there is this whole fucking like family therapy thing going on, Rick is a pickle, ends up getting flushed down the sewers, builds himself a robotic exoskeleton where he's able to control it using rat body parts that from rats that he's murdered. Oh Lord in heaven! Breaks into some kind of weird um, like government agency for some foreign government, where the head of it, uh, let voiced by a peer. Voice by Peter Serafinowitz, uh releases Danny Trejo's Jaguar, and what? so it and so it is a big fucking Danny Trejo esque motherfucker fighting a pickle. Then the two of them end up like forming an actual bond, and they fight off defeat Peter Serafinowitz, and then they just kind of go about their lives. And then post credit sequence, Rick and Morty are about to be killed by a fucking evil piano player, and then they're saved by Jaguar, who then flies off into the distance on a jetpack. For his next adventure. Okay. The next episode is all about railing against superheroes. Because it is uh it is Vindicators Three. Which is which is the third part of a trilogy of episodes that have never aired. It's like a galactic group of superheroes that Rick ends up systematically destroying to prove that nothing matters. Exactly why I don't fucking like this show. Yeah, there's a the, yeah, like uh, Christian Slater's in it, Jillian and Jacobs is in it, Lance Reddick, the rapper Logic. Like it really bothers me because this show is a great sci-fi romp, but it kicks you in the dick and it keeps on kicking until your balls fall off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the next episode was about uh, was a Jerry centric episode because you know why not? The most recent episode was the episode where it actually broke Rick and Morty. Like, uh, like they, like the episode is, the episode is mainly about, um, like they go to this alien spa where all of their like toxic, where all their like toxic emotions and stuff are forced out of them as part of like this weird mental cleanse. But then the toxins themselves become sentient and try to work their way out and destroy the world or whatever. But we actually get to see them like, we actually see like both of them break down in a way that they haven't really done before. Like they, like they've seen, we've seen Morty break down a bit. 
but not to this level. And we actually, and actually, do see Rick to say, "Oh, this was too much." It was really interesting. I really enjoyed that. I really just, I really liked just seeing. I, I liked seeing Rick be out of his depth. I like seeing Rick be over his head and just overwhelmed by what's happening around him. It was something that we don't really ever see ever. And I really fucking dug that. So yeah, Rick and Morty, it's back and it's fucking still good. Just don't don't watch too much of it in a row and don't if you're ever feeling sad, don't watch it. It will it'll put you in a place. A very, very bad place. Anyway, moving on. I started rewatching Agent Carter. I really enjoyed that show when I first watched it, when I first like got around to watching it. And seeing it again, it still really holds up. I still fucking love that show. For those that don't know, it's a it was a series. Only lasted two seasons, but it was about Peggy Carter, um, played by Haley Atwell from Captain America, the first Avenger, as she was going about doing espionage and spy work and whatever after Captain America got frozen in the iceberg. And that first series is just a, it's just a really great fucking period piece, this period espionage piece where it is about Carter, a woman in the 1940s America. Trying to do anything that wasn't, hey, write this down or hey, get me a coffee. And it works. Haley Atwell is fucking awesome in that. Uh, she and Jamie and James Darcy as Jarvis played really well off each other. But the character I ended up loving way more than I thought I would is uh, Shea Wiggum as Chief Dooley. Like, Chief, yeah, is kind of a dick, but he, but like, the, the point where Carter actually proves herself, uh, He's like, all right, yeah, fucking go do it. And he has one of the most amazing deaths I've seen in a TV show. Which is also funny because it is a kind of similar death to the death he suffered in Kong Skull Island. <laughs> yeah, so Shaywick was in Kong Skull Island. Uh, for those who've seen it, he was the guy who like tried to walk. He's like walking to one of the skull crawlers. He had like the grannies out just ready to fucking get eaten and blow him up. So the crawler just like fucking whips him with the tail and throws him into a mountain and he explodes, killing nothing but himself. In this, he gets an experimental Stark Tech vest strapped onto him that would begin heating up until it exploded. So he got Carter to so we got so we got Carter to like promise to find the bastard who killed him, grabbed a gun, and just fucking dead sprint toward a fucking window, shot it out, and then dove out his fucking like thirtieth story window and exploded in midair in the middle of fucking downtown New York. Okay. It was amazing. That shit is badass. Oh, hell yeah. And Shay fucking sold it. He is a really good actor. I'm surprised I don't see in more stuff. Yeah, I just started getting into the second season, which moves things from New York to L.A. And is about something else entirely. And I forget a lot of what it's about. But I'm still really enjoying it. It's The show is still fucking awesome. Um... Yeah, if you got a chance, recheck. We watch Agent Carter. It's still really fucking good. So weird thing. 
I watched my cousin Vinny. That's the one about the two city boys in the South who have to call their cousin to be a lawyer, right? Yes. I have watched that. (laughs) Yeah, so the only reason I watched it was because of all the memes that have been popping up about it. And when I say meme, I mean like the fact things, like the fact memes or whatever. So apparently this movie is really great at showing legal procedure. To the point that some law school professors actually use this movie to illustrate proper legal procedure for court trials. Okay, I'm going to rewatch this. Uh, Don't. Why? It's not that good. I enjoyed it when I first watched it. Like, like yeah, all like the legal stuff, it works. It is, it is interesting. It is actually kind of surprising how well Joe Pesci can be a lawyer. But it but it like sells itself as a comedy. But it's not funny. Oh no, I wouldn't assume. I would assume that it's you know, like a like a courtroom drama. Not it a is not. Comedy. It is not a courtroom drama. It oh, is well, listed. it's not on any service I can watch it on anyway, so never Yeah, mind. it is listed as a comedy. That's dumb. I mean, there are a few jokes, but it's not funny. Yeah, American comedy film. Yeah, it's not a funny film. It's not a funny they film, and it's not a mistake. Yeah, it's not a funny film, and it's not a dramatic film either. Like, like, like this. This is set up like a comedy film. It has like recurring jokes. It has pratfalls. It has all that other shit. And I believe that it's supposed to like have some. I believe like critics apparently at the time really like the interplay between Marissa Tomei and Joe Pesci. I don't, because I don't think there's any real uh, chemistry between the two of them. And also, it always looks really weird whenever Marissa Tomei, hot as hell Marissa Tomei, tries being romantic and lovey-dovey with noted Italian goblin Joe Pesci. (laughs) Uh, Best description of the year. Noted Italian goblin. Yeah, so like whenever the two of them are in a hotel room together... Or are like trying to be, or like are acting like a couple in any way. It feels wrong, like instinctually wrong. I'm, I'm like physically repulsed by anything that they do together. Babe, you can do so much better than that guy. You really can. I mean, Tony Stark's wants some of it. Apparently, actually, apparently, everybody's wants some of it. Can you blame them? Have you seen her? Yeah, I watched my cousin Vinny. But I, okay, my cousin Vinny is not a good example of like how great Mr. Tomei looks because she looks terrible because she wears high fashion from the nineteen nineties. Wait, that wasn't made in the eighties? Nope, nineteen ninety two. She wears high fashion for the eighties, bro. I don't know fashion. If I'm remember Oh no, she looks she looks disgusting. It's like fucking it's like fucking seven inch high shoulder pads and weird like bride of Frankenstein esque hair. Oh my god, did you see her suit? It looks terrible. I can't believe she went outside dressed like that. I really can't. At all. And yeah, and, and, and the movie pumps? and the movie and the movie oh. just eventually just devolves into just stereotype versus stereotype. 
like Joe Pesci is Joe Pesci's a living cartoon character. Yes, fact. Ralph Macchio is as Italian New York as you can possibly get. Yes, fact. Every Southerner, except for the judge, is what you imagine a person who's never been to the South thinks a Southerner is. So what uh, every movie seems to think a Southerner is. Yeah, like as they're driving through... Either either talking like you're born out of a bucket and have never read a book, or suave devonair uh, uh, Frenchman from Louisiana. Don't we forget, don't all good, talk with yeah, that accent. Don't, don't forget, good old Southern law boy. Now, I am just a simple Southern lawyer. But in this case, it's, I am a tyrannical Southern judge. Because a good chunk of like the actual procedure that gets explained is the judge explaining what actual procedure is to personal injury attorney Joe Pesci. I think legal stuff's interesting. Like, yeah, I think do, I watched it in one of my uh, law classes in college, actually. Yeah, like they do a decent job like explaining actual procedure, having procedure carry through. They, they don't go into like every single detail about procedure, but you're able to like pick up on some of the stuff, not necessarily the nuances, but how things actually progress in a for realsies trial. Uh the courtroom stuff like themselves, like cross-examining the witnesses and having like all, everything there. I feel like the DA might be out of whack in a couple things. Like at one point he actually is just straight up bad. I, I don't, I know that the, I know that uh, like in cross-examination, you can ask leading questions and do more stuff than you can as the person who actually called the witness themselves, but getting like an inch within somebody's face and demeaning them for not being able to answer a question that they purport to be an expert on. Like the, whole, like, the whole trial ends up being about, so, I guess, back it up a bit. The trial is uh, Ralph Macchio and his buddy. Uh, they accidentally shoplifted a can of tuna. Shortly after they left the uh, store where they bought, where they accidentally shoplifted that tuna, the guy at the counter gets murdered. So they get pulled over. Uh, they think it's all about the tuna for a stupid amount of time. And then they realize, oh, they're being tried for murder. And that, that's like, that's another thing. Like one of the, one of the early lines is things are, thing, they basically talk about how draconian Southern laws are and how if you do anything, you get gassed. So yeah, they, they this guy gets, that's a convenience store owner gets murdered. They're the prime suspects. And what ends up being the what ends up being like the thing that wins the case for them is pause attraction in cars. Really, I thought it was grits. Grits and pause attraction, like, like grits, like grits is one of the arguments that he uses. Like, he, like, he's, like uh, one of the guys is like, he's like, yeah, so I was making breakfast, I started cooking breakfast, saw those guys walk in, and then by the time I sat down to eight, they just fucking peeled out of there after hearing gunshots and shit. And he's like, five minutes, huh? What self-respecting motherfucker takes five minutes to cook grits when everybody fucking knows it takes 15 to 20? You saying you better cook the fucking rest of the world with some fucking grit shit? 
Yeah. It's one of the big things. There, there is a long, long argument about how no good southern boy would use instant grits, and that's the only way he could get that kind of time. I'm just sitting there the whole time like, I use instant grits. Everybody I know uses instant grits. Who got time for regular grits? Are you in a, are you in a town where they have a sign that says Dirk for sale? No, but then I've there been you to a town that has that kind of sign up, <laughs> and <laughs> they use fucking instant grits because ain't nobody got time for that. In In the 90s, they did. In the 90s, the economy wasn't on fire with the rest of the country. But yeah, uh, the, the whole thing comes down to like positive reaction and, and the, the DA asks Marissa Tomei, who has been established as knowing everything about cars. Or he asks her like, hey, can we get these kind of track? Hey, like, um, all right, so I need to like prove that you are an expert on cars and then does this huge fucking thing about cars that I could never be able to fucking comprehend or repeat to you because i don't know dick about cars and then she says hey you can't answer that question it's a fucking impossible it's, it's impossible to answer that question and he gets an inch from her face and is like really condescending like oh what's the matter you can't answer it show me expert you are fucking asshole and then she just upstages him immediately the movie isn't very good not funny not dramatic it's decently acted and apparently really good law stuff, but that's about it. Hey, final thing, big thing. Watch the Defenders. All of it. It really disappointed me. It is real middle of the road it just does so much shit that I just do not like especially because mainly they focused on Iron Fist for the for a good chunk of it and Iron Fist is the worst yeah everything I've heard says they really just fucked Iron Fist's character so hard that he became a woman Oh yeah, he is terrible. Like, oh. like Iron Fist in Iron Fist in Iron Fist is terrible. In this, he's a bit better because everybody points out the bullshit that he's doing and treats him like a fucking idiot. Like, uh, like when Danny first meets Luke, uh, Danny is like going over his like whole thing of like, yeah, I gotta go fight the, I gotta go fight the hand, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, and Luke's like, fuck you, dude, you beat the shit out of poor people. That's not okay, motherfucker. He does what? Uh, so what, yeah, so he's, he's, so he's like trying to fight the hand and how he and Luke meet is Luke is keeping tabs on a kid for somebody in his neighborhood. Like, uh, like kids, in his na- people in his neighborhood are turning up missing or dead because, and like, all, and all of them have just gotten new jobs. Like they got new jobs, started buying up all kinds of new fancy shit. And then one day they just die. Usually in like, usually in like fire bombings. Jesus. Yeah. So Luke is tracking down a kid. Uh, he is a friend of, he's like the kid of, he's like the relative of a friend of his. And so he tracks him down to this job where it turns out he is disposing of bodies for the hand. So Danny grabs this kid and threatens to beat the fucking shit out of him. So Luke steps in. As you would. Yeah. Later on, 
Danny is like, these fuckers work for the hand. They are all evil. I need to fucking find the hand and I will do any means necessary. And so Luke essentially bitch slaps him. And it's like, that is not the way to do things. You are a rich billionaire beating the shit out of the underprivileged of Harlem. You do realize what that looks like, right? You you won't like Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow wow. Yeah. Wow. Did the show become self aware? A little bit. It's one of the better things. Like everybody treats Danny like this. Like there's a point where Danny is just like gonna go off and fight the hand by himself. And everybody's like, no, we need to actually have a fucking plan. And so Danny and so like they all try to stop Danny from leaving, so Danny tries to beat the shit out of all of them and they wreck him. Tie him up to a chair and throw him in some fucking abandoned building. <sighs> Those parts are great, and like the inter- like the interplay between Danny and uh, Luke actually works really well. Like I've been told, it was lackluster. I enjoyed it. I thought the two of them actually worked really well off each other. Um, like a like Luke is a good foible. Uh, Luke, uh, well, I guess actually Danny's a good foible for Luke because like Luke is very Luke's a relatively straight character, and so having so having Danny. Magic Kung Fu man, Danny Rand. Alongside alongside him and acting like a fucking idiot at all times. The two of them have decent like interplay with each other in their like their dialogue. It is the most charismatic I have thought Luke or Danny have felt in this fucking entire venture. Because like in Jessica Jones, Luke was fine. He was good he was a good character in, in that his relationship with Jessica worked out well. Well, it didn't work out well, but it worked well in the show. In Luke Cage itself, he kind of flip-flopped between being super stoic, like, black rights activist and a black exploitation character. And it's so... one of the other people. You can't have both. Yeah, and so I never really got any real sense of character from him in that. And in this, he... In this, he, he kind of gets back to more Jessica Jones level of, like, actually having charisma. Yeah. Uh, all the side characters in this are fucking pointless. Like, every side character that we've built up to... Every, every side character that we've uh, like been introduced so far, like Foggy, Karen Page, um, Jerry Hogarth, Misty Knight, Colleen Wing, they all feel super ancillary, even the ones that are actually really connected to the plot. Like, Colleen Wing, she has... Uh, she has, a, she has a, she apparently has a very strong connection to the hand based on stuff that happened in Iron Fist that I didn't watch because I stopped watching that series before the end. But yeah, her, 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 her like, driving force is trying to be a... I actually don't actually fucking know what her fucking arc in this was supposed to be. I can't even, I can't even think about what it was. I just know that she spent a good chunk of time trying to be awesome sword person and failing super hard. Misty Knight is trying to be a good cop and failing super hard. Well, her name is Misty Knight for one thing. Yeah, she gets her arm cut off. So, you know. It's not going to work. She gets her arm cut off, so, you know, that's. Did you read comics? Yeah, that's for you. Don't read fuckos. Yeah, she's fucking worthless. Uh, Rosario Dawson's Claire Temple. Uh, she's in this. She is more front and center on the front lines than I thought she would be. 
Because really what I want for her is to be like the le- world's I-, I want her to end up being like the world's leading expert on like superhero medicine and like med- and like superhuman medicine. But we never really get that in this because she spends way too much time actually being out there doing things. Like she fucking plants C4 on stuff. She fucking steals hospital she like breaks into hospitals and steals medicine or whatever. I don't fucking know. It's been a while since I watched it and a lot of it is and a lot of it is fucking seeped out of my fucking head. Night Nurse is awesome. You don't need to do a ton of stuff with it to make it better, people. The yeah. idea of the nurse who just takes care of all the superheroes is really cool. Oh, also, she and I Luke know... Cage is fucking. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, it's... It feels like Luke Cage uh, dips his wick in everybody. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate, because Jessica Jones is there the entire time. Oh, well... She shouldn't have stalked him. That's not. I I don't know why they broke up, but they broke up because they, they broke up because the plot said to. Ah, that's really unfortunate that Trish Walker got sidelined so much because she was she was one of my favorite characters in that fucking Jessica Jones series. Like she and Kristen Ritter, they still work well together as like a as like a set like sisters. But she, but like a, a whole big thing for Trish in the other series was her learning to defend herself. Like she fucking. There takes- is one thing I've heard about this show that actively angers me. And what's that? I hear that none of them wear a costume whatsoever. Only Daredevil does. That is quite literally the stupidest thing they could have done. Well, to be fair, out of all of them. Daredevil's the only really one that has a costume right now. Yes, they should have given them all fucking costumes. I'm sorry, but this is supposed to be a show about superheroes. Yeah, but only like, having like it's it's all or nothing, folks. Not all really or fucking like, nothing. Like, no, given the characters they've chosen, only two of them would ever wear a costume. Yeah, my problem is the fact that apparently Luke Cage doesn't wear his iconic threads, which can count as a costume. Well, dude, like, uh, so what do you mean iconic threads? Do you mean like the tiara? I have a poster of him in a yellow shirt with jeans with a belt buckle that says Luke and a chain in his hands to beat the shit out of people with. Uh, He doesn't need that because he has indestructible fists and super strength. I know, but it's cool. But he, but he, he actually, he actually does get, he actually does get more Luke Cage. Like, uh, essentially, his costume in Luke Cage was him in a hoodie. Yay! But with so this, they actually, sick. but with this, they actually do add a like they. There's yellow in it, like like when, when he's actually like wearing the when he's like a lot of the time when he's like walking around in street clothes, there is yellow in his outfit, and it actually I, when I first saw that I actually really appreciated that. Because it essentially incorporates his new costume, which is him in a hoodie, with his old costume, which is yellow. It was nice. It was actually a nice little bit in there. But yeah, like, of the actual characters themselves in this show, only two of them would ever consider wearing costumes. Daredevil, the guy with the costume, and Danny, the fucking idiot. Luke would see a costume and go, fuck you. Or, or just, like, walk away, and Jessica would actively kick you in the balls. 
I really wish she had at least put on the gym costume. They showed just it. Just because that would have been funny. They showed it. I know, and it would have been hilarious to see her in it. Like, <laughs> even just as a joke. That would have been great. Instead she instead she walks around the street instead she walks the streets as the courageous hoagie. Because she saves a person's life while wearing a wearing a sandwich costume. Yeah, yeah, I know. Jessica Jones is good, goddammit. No, see, that's the thing. I wish I could love it. Like it like I feel totally different about it than I do like Rick and Morty. Like Jessica Jones. I really want to love the show, but every time I'm getting psyched up and excited because I'm like, yeah, the hero's about to win. Sorry, my, prof- my throat. Uh, the hero's about to win, yeah. Suddenly the villain just, like, pulls some bullshit out of his asshole and just, like, completely upsets the power balance, fucks the hero in the ass, laughs the entire time, and walks away happy. I'm sorry, I don't want to watch that superhero show. I want to watch the superhero show where the superhero punches the villain in the taint so hard that they have an orgasm and walk away sad. I I want the villain to lose. So I think you and I watch different versions of Jessica Jones. I haven't finished Jessica Jones yet. Mostly because every time I'm about to, I just get so mad that the purple man is still the villain. What do you want him to do? Kill him halfway through the season? Yes, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I would. They did that in Luke Cage, and it was terrible. Eh. Cottonmouth was a really interesting villain and a really interesting fucking foil to Luke Cage. And then just Mariah's just like, hey, fuck you, mic stand. And then we get the fucking Dolomite reject. Okay, maybe not kill him, but actually let him be defeated for, you know. He was. More than, he was. The entire time he was in that cell, he was still doing shit to be the winner. Like, I'm talking about, like, take him out in the first three episodes, then bring him back. Not, yeah, no, uh, we beat him. Yeah, no, he's still cackling like a madman, winning like an asshole. Where are you getting the cackling from? The dude fucking laughed all the fucking time. No, he didn't. He was... I do not remember him laughing once. What are you talking about? We, I think we actually did watch different shows. I don't know. Maybe it was the group I watched it with. You know, making me experience things differently. But Jessica Jones, brilliantly written. I really just got pissed at how often the Purple Man got away. In some cases, due to Jessica's own stupidity. Because she should have just killed him. Multiple times. Well, if she did that, then Hope would be fucking thrown away forever. Who gives a damn? At least she would know that the Purple Man is dead. Because even she, at some point, was like, kill him. But it makes sense for the character. It is... Her whole thing is she wants to prove the Purple Man is a real person, is out there doing these horrible things, and wants him to pay in a way that isn't just he's dead. I know that. He, 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 she wants to fucking save Hope because that's. Again, did you she watch the show? Hope, yeah. I did. I could not finish it. Like, seriously. I'm going to go back and finish it. But the show made me mad. 
because I really want, like, specifically the episode that I'm thinking about is the one where they have him in his cell, and apparently the lawyer decides that, yeah, no, you doing everything for me isn't good enough, so I'm just gonna betray you now. God damn it! She didn't betray bitch. him. Hogarth, Hogarth didn't believe her. So And so she's like, hey, oh, hey, yeah, I can fucking make this person do this thing for you. And didn't think that he actually had full-on mind control powers. Like, immediately after he fucking escapes, she's like, oh, fuck, I didn't know. I didn't know. What the fuck? It was, she thought she knew better, did something, that, did some really fucking stupid bullshit, and then immediately regretted her decision. You know, like a character does. Also, I think one of the problems that you have with it is that you're watching it as a superhero thing when it's a neo-noir thing. Jessica Jones is very much not a superhero. Hmm. Neither are any of the stories that... Neither are any of her stories. I never thought to approach it like that. Yes, the whole thing. Jessica Jones is a noir series. I didn't know. I've never read Jessica Jones. Yeah, it runs like fucking hard-boiled noir. It reads like hard-boiled noir. It watches like hard-boiled noir. Like I will to, have to re-watch it with that approach in mind. Like, going to seedy bullshit bars, drinking way too much hard brown liquor, and then getting it, and then, like, having a good chunk of your shit being delivering papers and taking photos of people fucking when they shouldn't be fucking. That is Jessica Jones. Oh. <sighs> Yeah, she's I do the- want to make a point of I do really like the show. Yeah, she well back to the Defenders. I was talking about the Defenders, goddammit. Yeah. Jessica's alright in the Defenders. Uh she feels the most out of place. Because she's actually good. <laughs> well that, but also she's not a She doesn't work like they do. Like 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 with those other like with those other things, they felt like superhero things to an extent. But with like well, Jessica, it was very much like a noir thing where yeah, she did have an antagonist, but she but he didn't feel like it, it didn't feel like a superhero dynamic like you've been like like you've actually just been talking about the entire time. This show doesn't work like Jessica Jones doesn't work like a superhero thing, and like even Luke Cage worked like a black exploitation superhero thing. So having her be there in the middle of all this shit. She just felt incredibly out of place. I guess she was important because of like a having Luke Cage be there and B she's the main source of information gathering because she's the only one who actually knows how to investigate things. But yeah, she just didn't feel like she really fit in there. Daredevil Daredevil was fine like uh Charlie Cox is still doing a good job playing Matt Murdock. Uh, he was he he felt more he felt more natural uh, in like the team setting than Jessica Jones did, and it was also really great watching him beat the shit out of Danny Rand because Danny again fucking sucks. And also the fact that like he knows more about the hand than the immortal enemy of the hand does. Well, yeah, because he's actually you know. Fought them a few times. Yeah. And Sigourney Weaver, isn't it too? She's all right. She's essentially playing the Sigourney Weaver stock character. 
Well, that's a shame. No, what's a shame is he gets taken out like a fucking punk. She's built up. The, she's built up for like the entire series as like, yeah, she's the head of the hand. She is this incredibly important, powerful figure, and then just boop. Well, she's gone. Spoilers. I hope you don't care. Ah, the series is a couple weeks old at this point. Statue of limitations that has passed. But yeah, she is. Another unfortunate thing is that they actually put her in like physical combat situations. Not very many of them, or very elaborate ones. But she still does like physical things, like flipping people over and doing the occasional murder thing. Which isn't really the vibe I ever got from her. Like she seemed, she didn't seem like a physical threat. She felt like a, she felt like a like top down threat. Like her having, like her having, like a select group of like this musical academy's finest students playing a private concert only for her. She doesn't feel like the kind of person who would come from Mystic Kung Fu City and flip people over with one hand. Yeah, no. Like, just like the two things you've described to me, I'm trying to reconcile them in my head, and it's just no. Well, it doesn't work. Anytime doesn't they, work. anytime, anytime they have her doing. That physical stuff, which again is only once or twice, it is incredibly awkward. And the hand themselves are still fucking boring as sin. It's kind of amazing, actually, how this whole like fucking Netflix Marvel universe has found a way to make ancient ninja murder cult boring. Oh, God, there are going to be people who think that a hand is ripping off the foot from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles now. Oh, fuck, there are, probably. Well, actually, they, they do actually, this the, the hand of this does feel more like the foot than the hand. Okay, I'm just going to clear that up for all of our watchers. Um, TMNT was written after Daredevil, and, like, the foot is quite literally a parody of the hand. TMNT is a rip on Daredevil. That's what it is. Yeah. Like, like, even, the like even, their or, thing. even their origin story, Daredevil's thing is a young blonde kid gets fucking blinded after a bunch of acid hits his face, after a bunch of like chemical shit hits his face. This is a bunch of turtles become mutants after a young blonde kid gets hit in the face with the thing of chemicals and drops his turtles and the chemicals down the sewer. Yeah, like I watched a comic theory where it was like, yeah, these two stories are totally interconnected. And I was just sitting there like, no fucking dumb moron. Yeah, Ninja Turtles is essentially a what-if Daredevil story. And yeah, the foot is the hand. And this neck more like the foot. foot. Yeah, and this neck more like the foot. Like, the the foot foot is ostensibly ninjas, but they have so many external factors and, like, other branches of themselves that are not ninjas that the ninja stuff feels entirely secondary. Like even in, the, even in the new TMNT stuff, it is like like oh right, yeah, so the foot they're ninjas. Oh no wait, they're robots. Oh no wait, they're Cyberclaw, who is not a ninja. Oh wait, there's Bebop and Rocksteady, who are not ninjas. Like the leader of it is a ninja, but everybody else isn't. In this, it is occasionally ninjas, mostly just other people that aren't ninjas. Meanwhile, the meanwhile the the hand, while having the occasional non ninja member are very ninja.
And yeah, uh, I do. I do actually. So, final thing I want to talk about the defenders is that first episode. It is very awkward. Like when I started watching it, there were multiple points where I just started laughing uncontrollably because of these really weird hard cuts in the story, and also the makeup effect. Like, uh, like in the in the beginning of it, um, Danny. Like it starts it starts out with Danny. Uh, he is trying to track the information about the hand in Columbia. And ends up fighting somebody who slashes him across the chest with a sword. We then see him on the plane and the slash wound, which he's not, he's not, it's not bandaged at all. It's not stitched. It's not bandaged. It's just an open wound on his chest. It looks like somebody took a permanent marker and drew a line across his chest. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard about the Sharpie scar. Yeah. And then getting into the, and then like by the end of it, the scar is gone. There is no wound at all on his chest anymore. In the first couple episodes, uh, the defenders don't actually meet and talk to each other for a while. Uh, for for a good chunk of the first couple episodes, it's largely disparate stories that kind of coalesce end up coalescing on stuff. And the way they intercut those is like there there is no smooth transition between anything. It is you're watching an episode of Iron Fist. Then it hard cuts to an episode of Luke Cage, which then hard cuts to an episode of Jessica Jones, which then hard cuts to an episode of Daredevil. And whenever they do the hard cuts, it always stops and then has a couple seconds of like B-roll footage of New York, all color coded to the various colors. Um, Like uh, Iron Fist is green, Luke Cage is yellow, Jessica Jones is purple, and Daredevil is red. And like that, that whole like, like that whole color motif actually does work. Like they do show that regularly throughout the series and it all works in a really interesting way. But it is so goddamn awkward. Like you're in the middle of a fucking scene, Jessica Jones Jones, which is a very, which is like I said, a noir story and feels like a noir story. And then in the middle of a fucking like thought of hers, it just slam cuts to this footage with really upbeat hip hop playing over it. Transition to Luke Cage. And the, and every time that happened, I couldn't help but laugh. Because it is so fucking funny and so fucking awkward. Ah. The series isn't very good. It's a big disappointment. Like everything that everything that I liked about the other series is lessened in this. Except for Iron Fist, which is actually heightened. Except for the action. Yeah, I'm seriously, I'm sitting here thinking about Jessica Jones with the new context that you told me, and I'm like, holy crap, that makes it so much better. Right, dude! <laughs> I, it, I blame this on uh, Birdie and Cora because they did not give me the right context to watch this show in. <laughs> she's, she's a fucking private eye. Like, Jesus Christ, that is... I was going into it with the same mindset I went into Daredevil with, okay? What the fuck, guys? You you led fucking caveman astray. Well, they didn't tell me to go into it with that mindset, but that's the mindset I went into it with. That is what I got. I was talking for like an hour and a half. Yep, I'll try and keep it quick. No, you don't need, to, you don't need to keep it quick. It's just I realized that there wasn't much conversation in that. I talked. Much conversation. 
<laughs> okay, so the first thing I watched, we can already strike it off. Uh, Voltron. Yay! I love the show. It's good. Um, I want to. I want to pilot one of the lines. I don't mind if I have to be a leg. Hey man, Actually, legs being are cool. a leg would be cool. Fuck it all. Um, next, uh, I'm gonna try and do movies first. So, Sky High. <laughs> uh. Yeah, Sky High. I love this movie. One of the broken lizards is the bus driver. It's dumb. It's like, re- it's I, really I'm, dumb. I just remember I, but, all my favorite parts of that thing is just Kurt Russell Kurt Russell for me is the best part of that fucking movie it's a great great bad movie like <laughs> it's a dumb movie but it's a good dumb movie I wonder when I think of it now now that I actually have like I watched that before My Hero Academia was a thing. Yeah, no, it really is like... My Hero Academia did the story much better. Like, so much fucking better. Like, there's not even three ways about it. There's one way about it. My Hero Academia did it better. Yeah, I know, but I want to see how much better. Because, I, like I said, I'm like, 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 like with the DuckTales stuff... I'm half remembering stuff I watched years ago. Okay, let me let me state why I think My Hero Academia did it better, and maybe that'll help you remember, and that'll make you that'll potentially that'll help you make a more informed decision. Look, 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 like I remember the broad strokes of it. I remember like the plot. I remember the performances and stuff. I remember like powers and whatever. The thing I don't remember are the nuances of it, which can't really be split. Which can't really be fully recognized. By having somebody else explain things or try to jog memories that I have that are fucking decrepit. Okay, you've got a very good point there. I, I need to, I need but, to like watch it again with the new context that I have. Well, I had like watching this. I'm gonna say the same thing that I wa- said when I watched it the first time. I wish they'd make a fucking TV show out of it. Oh, totally. Because if they did a TV show, I'm willing to bet it would actually be very similar. Yeah, they couldn't afford to do it, Academia. but they can do it. Like. It and My Hero Academia have, uh, like, they're stepping on a lot of the same notes. Quite literally. Oh, main character doesn't have powers, even though he should have powers. Oh, he suddenly develops powers, which make him awesome. So for those who don't know. And supervillain. I feel like like we should explain this a bit, because people out there don't know what Sky Um, High is. Sky High centers around... Um, our lead, whose name I've already forgotten, because he's that forgettable. <laughs> I fucking call him Will. Um, but our lead, uh, is the son of two of the world's biggest heroes. Oh shit, his name is Will. Huh. Uh, the Commander and Jetstream. Uh, basically everybody in this world is born with a minimum, well, not, let me rephrase it. All superheroes are born with a minimum of one kind of power. Depending on your parentage, you could get more powers, less powers, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Yeah. Will's been keeping his lack of powers secret from his pop-pop and his mama by pretending to have been slowly developing super strength over time. Finally, it's time for them to go to co- go to high school, and Will's on the bus with his friends. 
uh, Plant Girl, Glow Boy, and the Amazing Melt. Um, uh, doesn't he meet them like actually at the school? He's friends with Glow Boy. No, no, he's friends with Plant Girl. I'm. I thought he was friends with Glow Boy. Not Plant. I'm pretty sure they were talking about. Oh yeah, I got my powers over the summer, and I'm gonna. You're gonna see when we go to when we get into the school. They met on the bus. Huh, I sworn but he, they but were he was like, but he's like previous friends with Plant Girl because she has a big crush on him, and he is too stupid to realize it because he is the main character of a series set of a fucking movie set in high school. Yeah, surprising how accurate that is. Yeah, like it, this movie like, is this movie is essentially a C tier superhero movie grafted onto a B minus tier high school drama, which gets you a C plus. I mean, yeah, it's 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 not the greatest. It's fun. It, it's a lot of fun. It's not the greatest, but it's passable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got a bunch of kids in the hallway. But no. <laughs> but no. Um, and there's also a chick who has can turn into a gerbil. Guinea pig. Whatever. It's the same damn thing. I owned a guinea um, pig. There's a difference. Okay, fine. Guinea pig. To appease the dead. That's right, motherfucker. Um, Turn into a capybara. <laughs> <laughs> um, I almost I, I somehow I heard that as capoeira, <laughs> but no. He turned um, into a form of martial art. Uh, fucking Evil Dead is in this. Yep, um, he's the gym teacher as the best as the best character. <laughs> no, um. And first day, he gets, uh, like, everybody's like, all right, show off your powers so we can decide if you're a hero or a sidekick. And, like, even the fucking nerdiest-looking nerd has an awesome power. So when he goes up there and it's like, yeah, I haven't really developed my powers yet. Uh, it's like, sidekick! And, I like, there's this whole suggestion that, like, n- like, football coach Captain Sonic douche it had a crush on... Will's mom or some shit. Who gives a damn? If this had gotten a series, it would have been so interesting. But since it didn't, fuck you. I'm not actually going to pay attention to your plot. <laughs> uh, but... And then, like, Will, like, makes enemies with this guy named War and Peace because it's a B-minus movie high school drama. With a motherfucker. A yeah, War and Peace. Yeah. Fuck. And I'm Fuck. pretty sure at one point he's reading War and Peace. Fuck. Yeah, no, it's really, really lame. Um. But, like, Warren is like, I'm gonna kill you, and that's totally allowed at this school. So, main yeah. character develops his superpowers while Warren's trying to kill him. And becomes massive douchebag story of the week from C uh, level high school drama. Um, yeah, yeah, because as everybody knows, turning into a werewolf makes you really good at basketball. Yeah, massive douchebaggery ensues, betrays his friends, um, winds out discovering that all of the people that he was on the side of were actually villains, because superhero drama. Yeah, specifically the um, fact that Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who plays the popular girl, is, is actually like sixty. Yeah, is actually a sixty-year-old who is a former arch nemesis of his dad, who became a villain because she was a sidekick. 
even though we don't know anything about the licensing programs within this universe. And she could have totally just decided to become a superhero and said, fuck you to all the bullies. From what I understand, the program is essentially, hey, are your powers cool? Hero. Are they not? Sidekick. Yeah, pretty much. And then if you are a sidekick, then you are a sidekick forever. Yeah, pretty much. It's that kind of stupid, folks. Yeah, and that's all um, they break it up into, just heroes and sidekicks. There are There's nothing else. Yeah. Unlike My Hero Academia, which breaks things up into hero, there's the hero class, there's like a fucking cycle class, there's a support class that develop, that's just focuses on developing support gear well, for superheroes, there's the fucking business the, class which focuses on marketing heroes. The best thing about My Hero Academia is, like, you're not actually stuck in your class. Sure, you might not graduate from the hero program, but there's, like, at no point do they say, yeah, no, just because she's a support, she'll never be able to be a hero. Yeah. It's like... In this, it's like, yeah, no, fuck you. You're Clicks exist a and are sidekick. P- Clicks are important, and they will they will matter later in life. Teens. Sidekicks for life. Uh, but anyway, what you do now matters uh, later in life. You lockers. Once the villains betray our main character, um, he realizes. My true friends are the sidekicks who I cast aside so callously. If only my dick wasn't so big. I would have been able to see that my true friends are the melting person, the living glow stick. And the guinea pig. And the guinea pig. And the literal god. Yeah, she, she the pl- plant girl is the most powerful character. Period. Yes, but like, so long as she's near something with leaves, she's gonna win. It's also it's also the dumbest. Like the reason they put her in a sidekick was because she refused to display her powers. Yeah, like she like she is. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck! She's a fucking flower child. Shit. Yeah. No. Fuck. I'm surprised it took you that long to realize it. I'm a fucking idiot, dude. (laughs) So she. Jesus Christ. And where she's played by Danielle Panabaker. The worst part of The Flash. (laughs) Her Caitlyn Snow is fucking terrible. And the way they've written her Caitlyn Snow is also fucking terrible. Just top to bottom. Jesus Christ. This woman can just not catch a break. Nope. Just, hey, you're in superhero thing? You can Guess tell what? She's you're actually the worst. trying. Ugh. Any hoozles. Back to the actual plot. Um. Yeah. Like it. The. I like the I like it, but it's it's not good. <laughs> not really. I can't I can't lie. Like I'm George Washingtoning it up over here. No, dude, it's fine. Like lie. things, it's dude, fun, it's totally fine. But it's not uh, good. You can, you can enjoy bad things. It's fun, not good. Like there's no two ways about it, folks. Um. I actually recommend it, but go into it with the mindset of, 
this is a bad movie. Yeah, go into it knowing. this is a we, bad movie. Don't go into it thinking it's the Jessica Jones of superhero movies. This isn't a Marvel superhero movie. Don't be like this Caveman. This is a DC superhero movie. Don't be like Caveman. Go in with proper From expectations. Um, yeah, Kurt Russell looks like he was having just yeah. so much fucking fun in that movie. Yeah, that's one thing that I like about the movie. Everybody except for the teens seems to be really enjoying themselves. Yeah, like even Mary Elizabeth Winston actually turns into a performance. Well, are they even teens? I don't know. Yeah, they, I don't know how old they're supposed to be. They're 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 in high school, dude. So forty. Sure, fuck it. Yeah. Kurt Russell just moved out of the dorm and is in his first year of college. I don't know. Fuck it. Anyway. Moving on, I went from watching a mediocre superhero movie to possibly the most awesome of uh, spy movies I've ever seen. I'm talking about Kingsman. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Spy Kids for some reason. Oh. It's okay, but I would not classify it as the most awesome. Feels like a bait and switch. <laughs> I don't do those, dead man. Yeah, Kingsman, that movie's fucking amazing. Oh yeah, I watched it exclusively for one scene. The church? Um, well, let me get to it. <laughs> After hearing about recent tragic events, I felt that I needed something to lighten my mood. And the only thing that could lighten my mood, given recent tragic events, was watching a whole fuckload of racists get the shit murdered out of them for, well, poops and giggles. Yeah, and by Colin Firth of all people. Oh yeah, no. I loved it. Yeah, Matthew Vaughn is a kind of incredible action director. Yeah, no. This entire movie is exactly the spy movie I want to see. Like, this movie is awesome. It hits every point correct for me. And I don't... I'm going to watch the whatever they do next because this was awesome as fuck. Kingsman 2, The Golden and, Circle? Hmm? You mean Kingsman 2, The Golden Circle? Oh, yeah. I'm, I, I, <laughs> if I could pre-order <laughs> my tickets, I would. Yeah, I... I... Uh, <laughs> I'm a sucker for world building. And I just love the fact that there is an American equivalent... Like, the fucking statesmen are just a really dumb, great idea. And the fact that Jeff Bridges leads them. Uh, also, I just... Um, also, it's... I like Channing Tatum as a comedic actor. Have we covered Kingsman on the channel before? Uh, yeah, probably. So, should we give a brief of the plot or not? Uh, assume every podcast is somebody's first. So, for those that know, Kingsman is about a street punk in London who ends up becoming a member of this secret uh, independent espionage organization called the Kingsman. 
and uncovers a plot by tech billionaire Samuel Jackson to reduce the world's population to stop global warming. Honestly, not a bad plot. I'm talking about from Michael Jackson. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Michael Jackson. Uh, oh my God, you guys. Global no. warming is theory. You're being ignorant. <laughs> Stop being ignorant. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um, so, yes, Samuel L. Jackson again plays a supervillain. I think he might be hinting at something, guys. Um, two of my favorite roles of his, he's playing a supervillain. I don't know. Um, and he is such a good supervillain. But yeah, so the asshole kid goes through all this training in the hell. Um, I think they even kill some of the kids just to, you know, like torture him a little bit. No, uh, the king, the Kingsman, um, the Kingsman no, 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 likely like, they set things up so that it looks they're going to die. But they never yeah, actually kill anybody. Like two of the kids drown. Uh, nope. Uh, those were plants. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Remember. Like, like the whole thing from beginning to end, the entire thing is that they set people up in situations where they look like they're going to die, but are in, but are never in any actual danger. Like one of the, like the, the for the drowning thing, one of them was a plant. Uh, like for the train track thing, the tracks just immediately drop underneath the fucking rail, and the train just goes over them, no problem. Uh. The gun, like when when the they're asked to, when they're told to kill their dogs, the gun is a blank in it. Yeah, yeah. Like the entire the entire organization is set up to try to test um, these try to test like these individual like, try to test their applicants' um, willingness to risk life and limb for country, but does it so often that anybody who actually paid attention would be able to realize, oh, wait, there's never any danger when in training. Yeah, see, I, I would have, like, I half expected him not killing the dog to be the right choice because, you know, standing up for the little guy kind of seems like what they're getting at. I mean, I guess I'm wrong. Yeah, again, it's, but... it's a matter of sacrifice. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like you, you need you need to be able to sacrifice the thing that you love for the for the greater good. And in this situation, it is killing the dog for the purpose of being a member of the Kingsmen. But again, every test they did like this, it was a fucking double. It was a fucking fake out. Like even the fucking like the like the parachute thing. One person doesn't have a parachute. So you need to work together. Eggsy figures out. Eggsy, they all work together and get this whole fucking plan going. Turns out everybody had a parachute. They just lied to him. Yeah, no. I I love this movie. It's a really good movie. Um, The only part I don't really feel the most comfortable with is this foreign princess deciding to offer up anal for rescue. Like, really? Yeah, that's a bit... That's a bit Malar. Like, like, really, movie? You You had me. I was on the side of everyone. And then she does that. I know. I, mean, I know. Like I. I know. I know what they're going for with that whole bit. I know. I know. I know what they're going for with that. But, but um, Tish, it is. Yeah, it's weird. It's just weird. 
And the fact that Mark Strong watches some of it. <laughs> He's trying to let him know, hey, dude, you, you left it on. You left it. Oh, my. Okay, I'm just going to close this up here and let you have some privacy. Just be sure. I actually, to, maybe, I actually just be found sure, that bit a little bit funny. Just be sure to switch on recording, and then we're good. Save that for later. Like you know, Eggsy like did that on purpose. Like, and your reward is you get to watch me fuck this bitch. No, I feel like Eggsy gen- genuinely forgot his camera, his glasses had a camera in them. I mean, I did. I didn't. Yeah, like they had that entire action scene, and it's like never brought up, and then just they go to it. And it's like. Wait, where's that camera? Oh, right, yeah, the glasses. It's not something you think about. And when you are in the and when you are in the middle of murdering for ass sex, <laughs> it's easy to slip your mind. Yeah, true enough. Uh, that, that is like that is the one thing I'm like eh, about in this movie. Everything else is just like. This movie could do no wrong with everything else as far as I'm concerned, but that yeah, one but was just like a, going grocery shopping after saving the world. That's a step too far. What? There's a song where they say you have to eat the booty like groceries. Okay. Trying to make it a thing. Let's move on. What else do you um, have? Jesus. Well, I do. I want to say one thing about Kingsman. <laughs> it is not. It is not a spy movie for a Bond fan. Oh no, they. Like, they if you go into it looking for a Bond, Bond uh, spy movie, this takes an active shit all over it. Speaking like, of shit, I'm pretty, I'm sure, pretty sure this that, was. Me- yeah. Speaking of shit, I'm pretty sure that anal was because the was because of a was a Bond parody. Eh, that wouldn't surprise me actually. Just hey, you saved the world. But... Now you get to have sex as a reward. And with this, hey, you saved the world. Pound that starfish, motherfucker. <laughs> Turns out I have a lot of euphemisms for anal. <laughs> it's what he does in his spare time. I actually Not don't. Anal. Coming up with the euphemisms for it. I actually don't. Like all these are kind of off the cuff. Like I knew I like like I knew what they were before, but I don't actually I don't actively sit down like writing out lists of anal euphemisms. I don't have like a fucking document on my computer that is just it's just like, hey, anal. <laughs> and it's just a fucking like nineteen page bullet point list of anal puns. Yeah, with grocery shopping being bolded with asterisks. <laughs> One day that's gonna be a fucking thing. I'm gonna have an urban dictionary. I'm gonna have an urban dictionary enter if I fucking have to kill somebody for it. <laughs> it will not be a thing, Dead. Just it you wait. Somebody in thing. Turkey is gonna fucking listen to this and go, "Oh yeah." <laughs> it's never gonna be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But no, going from one spy movie to another, the Kim Possible movie, so the drama. <laughs> uh. Didn't expect me to drop that hot banana on you, did I? I did, did not. You? Yeah, that movie's pretty good. Yeah. Um, it... 
fuck, it's a great movie. <laughs> like, there's <laughs> not much I can say about it. Like, go watch it. I'll wait. You can pause this. Go go watch it. Dude, Maybe don't tell them to do that. People... Don't tell them to do that. If they pause it, they'll forget they were listening to this. Finish this, then Damn. go watch it. Go watch it. It's shockingly good. Like, this like, will be here for you when you get back. Go like, watch like it. animation-wise, all the characters' stuff works. It, yeah, it's a bizarrely character-heavy movie. Oh, yeah, but it's so good. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go watch um, Kim Possible's Sitch in Time. Like, that one's not as good. Once this is a, Yeah, but I still love it. <laughs> <laughs> once we're done this, I'm going to go, you know, watch that. So... If you told me, if you told, like, 15-year-old me that 10 years later, I'd have opinions about the comparative quality of both made-for-TV Kim Possible movies. And that I would be willingly telling them to the internet. Okay, uh, before we get too much further into this... Um, we should probably give people some idea of what Kim Possible is. Um, Kim Possible is James Bond if he was smarter, wittier, didn't have sex with everybody. And is a teenage and girl. And was centered around a teenage girl. Voiced by, I think, one of the main characters, maybe even Stevens. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's Christy Carlson Romano. I don't know. That was back in the day when I began to when I began to actually learn what voice actors were. Yeah, Chris Carlson Romano. Known as played Ren Stevens on Even Stevens. Will Friedle getting into voice acting as Ron Possible. Nancy Cartwright, the voice of Bart Simpson, is Rufus the Naked Mole Rat. Yeah, um, go watch it. <laughs> like, that is, uh, this this movie and this TV series both get a glowing endorsement from me. And I mentioned the TV series because I started watching some of that after I watched the movie. Because <laughs> I was like, man, this is good. So I went and found it and put it on and watched Kim Possible. Because, yeah, I love this mo- this TV series. It's really, really good. Um, the characters experience an arc, sadly, thanks to the movies. So you've kind of got to watch the movies to experience the arc. Yeah. Which kind of irritates me. Um, and the arc is, yes, them eventually hooking up. Because, well, it is a teenage, like, drama. Of course, I also kind of called it from season one, so... Everybody did. Yeah. I mean, it was way too fucking obvious. Yeah, totally. Uh Yeah, also, this fucking show had a... Stupidly huge voice cast. 
Well, they had a large cast of characters. I'm just no, like, I'm, like, like, people, a little I'm, like, shocked that they didn't recycle. Yeah, like, like, yeah, like, shockingly, there is very little. Like most of the time, like they'll they'll have like a couple act like they'll have a they'll have like you know a decent stable of actors, but they'll have a lot of them like do multiple characters. Mm-hmm. But in this, there is there aren't a whole lot of people who are like who are like uh, hey, it's this person like hey, you're playing this character slash this character slash this character slash this character. And the voice cast is fucking huge. Like like mentioned earlier, Chris Carlson, Mono, Will Fidel, Vince Cartwright, fucking. John DiMaggio, Gary Cole, Patrick Warburton, Rob Paulson, Tara Strong, Great Lyle. So, um, again, if you don't want spoilers, pause now, go watch the movie, and then come back. Uh, I'll wait. I won't. <laughs> uh, but no, um, Kim Possible, so the drama, is uh, Draken's actual good plan. For those who don't know, Draken, regular recurring antagonist, kind of her... Closest thing to an arch nemesis she has. More. Actually, she goes her arch nemesis. Draken is Ron Stoppable's arch nemesis. Fair. Um, no, no, that actually is Monkey Fist, so Draken doesn't have anybody. But um, Draken thinks he has nemeses. <laughs> you think you're all that, but you're not. <laughs> But um, Draken starts stealing various bits of technology and gathering information on teenage girls. And the way he's Which... doing this is by having 45-year-old male, men scientists living in teenage girl environments until they become one. Yeah, it's just as dumb as you think. Yeah. But it actually ends up working out. As he creates the perfect boyfriend. Like, seriously, I want to date this guy. That's how perfect he is. I don't. He seems like a serial killer. Well, his dad's a psychopath. You know, like, even, like, from the jump, I was like, oh, I've seen American Psycho. You seem similar. He seems too perfect to not be out for something. But yeah. Um, it turns out that he is out for something. He is the ploy of Draken to distract Kim Possible from, uh, you know, saving the world. As you do. And, well, his ultimate evil plan is to give away toys that turn into super giant evil robots. Again, as you do. And those super giant evil robots. Oh, he also takes over Ron Stoppable's favorite diner. Well, eatery. Uh, to Mexican. deliver these toys. Yeah, it is a, it is a bizarrely complex plan for this show and for this character. To the point where like yeah, Draken doesn't usually think that hard. Yeah, like to the point where even Shigo is like, dude, they... this is nonsense. 
yeah, what the fuck are you doing? You fucking weirdo. And then she actually sees the plan. It's like, oh, oh, oh. See, this is why I actually stick around. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> yeah, she goes way too competent to be around fucking dragon. She gets hired out by other villains all the time just to, like, teach them how to be villains. Like, there is an entire episode devoted to Shigo, like, double-crossing Senior and Junior, who are more characters from the show. So don't, I'm yeah, and that is Senior, it. Senior, Senior, and Senior, Senior, Junior. Yeah. You can't just say Senior and Junior, motherfucker. Yes, I can. I just did, and you corrected it, so they know who I'm talking about. But yeah, um, so Kim Possible puts on her super suit that is never again used, and or saves ever mentioned the day. before. Yeah, and uh, well, Kim Possible the show is more of the same. Yeah, and actually gadgets the- from a ten-year-old super genius. Yeah, and it's actually kind of weird. Like this, this apparently this movie was actually supposed to be the series finale. Yeah, but then everybody demanded we get another season and we get the season before them going off to college. Yeah, and that season is largely about the newly formed relationship between Kim and Ron. Yep. Like, quite seriously, this show is mostly about the teenagers' interactions and the supervillain plot takes the back burner. Like, <laughs> I watched it for the kick-ass fights and supervillainy as much as I watched it to find out if Kim was going to manage to get a date to the dance. Yeah, what's that bitch Bonnie going to do this week? Fuck Bonnie. He's like, fuck you, senor seniors. Bonnie's the real supervillain. Stop distracting me. I need to know if Bonnie's going to stay with Brick. (laughs) God, Brick, he's like Moose if he had anything likable taken out of him. (laughs) What a douche. Anyway, um... The final thing I watched, and wow, have I been Disney-heavy this week. <laughs> um, it's a classic from 1994. I want you all to just sit down and close your eyes. Imagine it's 1994. You're the age you were then. You've just gotten out of school, or maybe it's a Saturday morning. You've got your uh, sandwich. Who cares what, to, what the spread is? And suddenly you hear... The most awesome score ever. As Gargoyles graces your screen. Yeah, that didn't work. I had Gargoyles on VHS. So I watched it whenever I wanted. Go to hell. Also, who the fuck... Also, I was two? I was alive. Hell, I was old enough to be watching it, so fuck you. Yeah, so I... I didn't understand what a sandwich was. Shut up, dead man! Most of our viewers are older than you. Well, listeners are older than you. Shut up. How do you know that? Because the people who actually care about nostalgia are old, like me. This isn't the nostalgia podcast. Shut up. No one likes you. There's the movies and TV. We talked about fucking Defenders. Yes, which people will watch because it's a Marvel thing and they read the comic books. No, they didn't. They'll they'll watch it because it's a Marvel thing and they've seen all the Marvel movies. Two different perspectives, man. 
the vast majority of people who made Marvel what it is aren't Marvel fanboys. You you do know this, so, right? Gargoyles. <laughs> you do know that Marvel Comics is only existing because it's existed for so long. Like it's keeping itself alive so, just through sheer force of will, not money. They're not making so any money gargoyles. on gargoyles. Gargoyles is the story of a bunch of gargoyles. Shocker. Who? Hmm. Shocking. Yeah. Who basically get fucked because humans are bigoted assholes. Um. Get cast into stone for 10,000 years, then one human asshole who is possibly the greatest supervillain ever to come out of television awakens them so he can then kill them after having studied them for a limited amount of time. Gargoyles is... How do I put this? Gargoyles is high drama, Arthurian lore, and action pitched for eight-year-olds. Gargoyles is the the Jessica Jones of the Disney Saturday morning. Yeah. Like, it was the most awesome, hardcore show I had seen at the time. And I fucking loved it. Like, and I ex- half expected going back, like, oh, this can't be as good as I remember. Uh, there's got, it's got to be like tainted by nostalgia. And I watched six episodes in one sitting, and that was only because the DVD I had it on only had six episodes. Why do they do that? Because that's the way it worked. That's not an answer. Yeah, I know it's stupid, but that's what happened. There was a fucking holiday a couple days, a couple weeks ago, and I asked why it was a holiday, and they said, "Oh, it's a holiday because it's a holiday." That's not a fucking answer. Same thing with, oh yeah, the reason there's six episodes in the DVD is because that's the way they did it. That's not an answer. It's because they're morons and think that by packaging more DVDs, it gives them a right to charge far more. That's, that's, like that's retarded. Yeah, no, it is. I agree with you, but that's why they did it. It's like the fucking it was DVD, so that they like, could attempt like the, to charge more. It's like the fucking DVDs only have half the episodes on them that are out of order. Ugh. But yeah, and the reason I didn't continue watching was because I realized that I was literally so exhausted that my spatial awareness was starting to distort and up was down. So, <laughs> so you stopped taking drugs. Actually, it was sleep deprivation. <laughs> Once I hit 24 hours, everything starts to spin and just no, no, I, sh- I really need to stop staying awake so i've never gotten that bad like i've stayed awake for 24 hours before but i've never gotten to the point where like spatial awareness gets fucked up it just gets to the point where i just go to a place yeah well everybody experiencing the experiences things differently did yeah but um where was i oh yeah so gargoyles, uh, gargoyles is the story of goliath Brooklyn, Hudson, 
Broadway, Lexington, and their dog. Actually, let, let me let me change something a bit. It's a story of Goliath and his four nameless buddies. <laughs> and Elisa Maza, who definitely wants some of that gargoyle dick. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's like when day breaks, just like, all right, so pull your pants down, just sit in this position, and then just, she just goes down to the side of the building. <laughs> um, as they deal with Xanatos, who is the greatest villain in all of children's show history. Quite literally, the man can fail at seven plans, and somehow all of those failures were accounted for, prepared for, and thus, he's actually already won by the time you realize that he had seven fucking plans in the works. And played by one Mr. Jonathan Frakes. God, to hear his voice oozing down my uh, ear holes again. <sighs> like, from now on, Gargoyles is going to be whatever I, what I watch whenever I want to play a villain who's just that kind of manipulative and evil <laughs> you know and the best part is the first uh, six episodes set up all the lore you need to know it, literally it's f fucking filled with exposition and I couldn't stop watching <laughs> <laughs> it's exposition yeah but it's really, really good exposition. Like, it is really well written. I fucking loved it. And I'm gonna go back and watch more of it tonight. It's so good. Apparently the Pink Panther was in an episode. That doesn't surprise me. Like, just don't watch the last season of Gargoyles. Yeah, and you know... Like, that's the one caveat. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Brent Spiner is Puck. Oh yeah, Puck. Possibly the best, like, oh, he is, like, you think Loki is awesome? Puck makes Loki look like a joke. Because Puck literally trolls everyone as hard as possible for fun. He doesn't have any evil schemes going. He's not trying to take over the world. He literally, like, at one point, uh, one of the villains wishes for something and gets the exact opposite of anything they would ever want because it follows the vaguest outline of their wish. And just because he felt like it. <laughs> yeah, also, if you're a big Star Trek fan, um, there are Star Trek people falling out of this show's ass. Oh, yeah. Like, like I said, Jonathan Frakes is in it. There's also Marina Sirtis, Kate Mulgrew, Michael Dorn, Brent Spiner, as mentioned, LeVar Burton. If you're a reading Rainbow fan, LeVar Burton. Yeah. No, this show is, like, professional grade awesome. Uh, the fight scenes are very well executed. Um, every, like, it, it's very well animated, too. Like, I expected going back, it would look really cheap. And, yeah, it's not the highest quality, because the version I have is the uh, SD release. Which is old as fuck, but... It's still so, so good. Have they done uh, HD upscale of that? I don't know. Possibly. 
No, look, like looking at it, uh, the last thing was in 2013, and it was the DVD release of the second half of season two. Yeah, so you're probably stuck with SD, folks. Yeah, because but we know how well SD, Disney releases cartoons on DVD. Even SD on my HD TV, I'm just sitting there like, yay, gargoyles. <laughs> I feel like a kid coming home after school, except I never got to watch cartoons after school because my parents wouldn't let me watch TV on school days. Fuck them. <laughs> TV was educational. I learned more from TV than I did from my fucking teachers. Yeah, because teachers are terrible. They don't teach you dick. Actually, I had great teachers. I was just that kid who would always go the extra mile. You know, I had teachers. I had teachers that, like, I, I found school fairly easy. So my teachers a lot of the time ignored me, so that other students had a chance to actually learn stuff. See, my godmother was the principal, so like. I didn't really get that option. She was like, oh, you finished the assignment? Then do eight more. <laughs> Alright then, anything else to say about Gargoyles? Yeah. Um, uh, it's another Watch It. This show is quite seriously one of the best written Disney shows ever, except for the last season. Um, all of the characters are very fun, interesting, have a bit of depth, except for Hudson. Um, <laughs> Hudson's boring. He's just like, I'm an old man. That's my character. My character is Wilford Brimley. Uh, that's <laughs> But yeah, no, um, I wholeheartedly recommend it. Get it in whatever way you can. Maybe Disney will... No, Disney will never release TV shows well. Never. Uh, maybe they'll put it on their streaming service. That would be smart. <laughs> um, watch it. In any way you can, watch it. Okay. So, anything else you've watching then? That is it. Alrighty then, just for watching then, on to news. So first up, some controversy. Yay. So, Ed Screen... Or crying? I'm not trying to pronounce your name, dude. Uh, he's an actor who you saw as Francis in Deadpool. He was cast as Major Ben Daimyo in the upcoming Hellboy reboot. Now, for those unfamiliar with the comics, uh, Ben Daimyo is a Japanese-American character. Ed Screen is not Asian at all. So, and, and this, and this, of course led to complaints of whitewashing. But instead of, like, doubling down or being a dick about it, Ed Screen did something new. Uh, he left the role. Like, willingly. What? Yeah. Uh, that is kind of shocking. Yeah, Ed, uh, via an announcement on Twitter, uh, said, quote, Last week it was announced that I'll be playing Major Ben Daimyo in the upcoming Hellboy reboot. I accepted the role unaware that the character in the original comics was of mixed Asian heritage. There His has last been, name is Daimyo! There has been intense conversation and understandable upset since that announcement, and I must do what I feel is right. 
it is clear that representing this character in a culturally accurate way holds significance for people, and that to neglect this responsibility would continue a worrying tendency to obscure ethnic minority stories and voices in the arts. <coughs> I feel it is important to honor and respect that. Therefore, I have decided to step down so the role can be cast appropriately. Proof the world isn't ending, people. Yep, he goes on to say, representation, representation of ethnic diversity is important, especially to me as I come from a mixed heritage family. It is our responsibility to make moral decisions in difficult times and to give voice to inclusivity. It is my hope that one day these discussions will become less necessary and that we can help make thing, make equal representation in the arts a reality. I'm sad to leave Hellboy, but if this, but if this decision brings us closer to that day, it is worth it. I hope it makes a difference with love and hope. Ed Screen. And the response to this has been largely positive. Like with the um, like with the producers themselves saying like, "Hey, yeah, we support Ed's decision. He came to us with this, and we agreed. So we'll be working on finding a proper person to uh, suit this role." Uh, Mike Mignola, the creator of Hellboy and everything, uh, actually thanked him on Twitter. And yeah, uh, this but this also did lead to a a bit of a backlash because, of course, it did. With many people saying, "If um, if Ed Screen had to step down for the role." Uh, if Ed Screen chose to down for the role, shouldn't Sasha Lane do it as well? Sasha Lane is a black actress who is playing a character who in no. the com- yeah who who she's a black actress who's playing a character who in the comics is a is a ginger lady from 1950s Ireland. Okay, you know what, folks? This is actually one time where, unless she's playing the character as a black Irish person, I'm kind of gonna agree with the racists a little. <laughs> here's my reason I am Irish and it is fairly rare that we get represented positively in media that being said I also think that having other races play white people is much much more fair and honestly okay than having white people play other races and yeah it is double standard time, folks. I think this because all of the roles belong to white people. Literally 98% of the roles in Hollywood are, yeah, and this white character fucks this white character who's this white character's best friend. Oh, and there's a black guy in the background. Fair. Yet we've got so many amazing Asian, Spanish, uh, well, Latino, um fucking native american probably actors. actual spanish we've got, we've got good indian actors we've got we've got people from all over the fucking world why are the roles 90 percent white and 10 percent black there are other because cultures that, and it shouldn't because, just be for a cultural piece that they get cast in these roles the reason is that way is because back when things were way more racist everybody in charge of movies was a racist is you use the wrong tense. Pardon? You use the wrong tense. Everyone in charge of movies is a racist. No, I'm saying back then. I know, I was making a joke. Yeah, nowadays, they're not actively racist, they're just idiotically racist. It's like, well, you know, white people make most money because they've been in literally 100% of all movies ever. 
So based on so based on these numbers of every movie starring a white person, which is every movie, uh, black people don't make money. Movies are stupid. Yeah. Yeah, so good on Ed. Cool that happened. It'll be... Yeah. Looking forward to seeing who they cast next. If the movie turns out to be shit, either way, fuck it. Yeah. So but on. yeah, if they're, if they're writing her as a black Irish person, I am fully in support of it. If not, then they need to write her as a black Irish person because Irish people don't get enough representation in positive ways in modern media. But uh, having her be a black Irish person would be awesome. Because <laughs> like seriously, there are no black Irish people in TV or movies, even though they do exist. <laughs> I am Blairish. I know. I'm straight Irish. Well, then you have you have as much reason as I do to want this. Well, I, okay, not straight Irish, like Irish, Scottish, and English. That I am the whitest That's... motherfucker you met. My fiance is pure. English. I am one of the whitest motherfuckers you met. <laughs> well, I say pure English. She's English and Jewish. So, pretty damn white. One of. <laughs> yeah, no. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so, two central characters have been cast in the upcoming Hulu adaptation of Lock and Key. Yes, so for those who don't know, Lock and Key is a book by Joe Hill, the son of Stephen King, and uh, Gabriel Rodriguez. It is an amazing comic, and one of my favorites, uh, like, ever. I think it's one of the best. I've only been able to read a few excerpts, because the guy who usually lends me comics, well, he's been lending me other crap. (laughs) Yeah, it is one of my favorite comics. It is about a group. Uh, it's about a family, the Locke family, uh, moving into their ancestral home after the patriarchal family is murdered, and the kids, uh, Tyler, Kinsey, and Bode, discovering that this house is full of magic keys that all do different magic things and use the right locks. And so, of the four mains of their mom, Tyler, Kinsey, and Bode, the mom and Bode have been cast. Okay. So Francis O'Connor, who was in The Conjuring 2 uh, and The Missing, according to Deadline, that's apparently her most prominent roles, I guess. Yeah, she was also in AI, Artificial Intelligence, and a bunch of other things. Mm, uh, I she, remember that movie. Yeah, she has as been... a thing. Yep, she's been cast as the mom. Meanwhile, uh, Andy Muschietti... Who you've seen as that kid in the raincoat in the trailers for that new It movie. Has been cast as Bode. So yeah. Uh, Lock and Key, they've been trying to like build... They've been trying to make a TV show out of it for a while now. They actually shot a pilot for Fox, I think, a while back, but it never aired. Good. Okay. Well, do you know what Fox does to anything that's actually good? Yeah, I do, but I would have liked to see this be made into an actual thing sooner. I'm happy to wait so long as it's not Fox. 
fair. Okay, and this fuck goddamn it deadline, you fucking cunts. What? Every single fucking article I've seen from Deadline that talks about lock and key, they always say the story takes place in Maine. Which it doesn't. It takes place in Massachusetts. The only this is not actually a Stephen King novel. No, it isn't. His son is a better writer than he is. <laughs> oh, I always love hearing shit like that. He like his son is able to fucking tell interesting stories that don't all take place within a fucking single goddamn state. They don't have the same fucking stock characters in them over and over a goddamn again. And mostly in the same city in said state. Ugh, fuck me. Just like it. It wouldn't bug me so much, but it's every fucking article that says this. Every time there's new lock and the, every time there's new lock and key news, it's always is going to take place in Maine. <laughs> why the fuck would it? Hill is writing it just to fuck with like everyone's preconceptions about you know oh it's not Maine it's gotta be better oh actually sorry I misread this article Jackson Robert Scott is the guy they hired Andy Muschietti is the director of it as well as the director of Lock and Key yes sorry Yeah, Andy Muschietti is the... I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, sorry. I, if I'm sorry if I'm not. Uh, it's Argentinian. Andy Muschietti, yeah. Not sure if I've ever pronounced, had to pronounce an Argentinian name before. But yeah, Andy Muschietti is the director with uh, Jackson Robert Scott playing Bode. So, yeah. Uh... I'm gonna be one. It's. I'm wondering how well this kid's gonna do. I have not actually. I'm. I haven't. I haven't really gotten much of whether or not he's a good actor or not from all the it trailers I've seen. So I have no idea if he's a good actor, but he kind of needs to be because it. Because um, not it. Bode is a incredibly important character. Yeah, Bode is the one who discovers the keys. Bode is the one who faces off against... Like, Bode is the one who fucking like, drives the plot. Bode is central to this story in a way that no other character is. So, I'm hoping he's good. Well, we could always watch it to get a preview. Yeah, we could. You know, clowns are coming out against it because they're afraid it's going to damage their image. Oh yeah, of course they are. Like, why wouldn't they be? Everybody's like, oh, I'm just, I'm sitting, I'm sitting there like, it was already an it miniseries. It's already damaged your image. You're yeah, already but- scary as fuck. Stop bothering. Yeah, but now, but nowadays there are the clowns coming out of the woods trying to kidnap and murder children. I don't know what my point was. Anywho. 
moving on. Ah, there's going to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi solo film. Yeah, all of my Star Wars, like, like all the channels I watch for Star Wars lore have been exploding with Star Wars news about an Obi-Wan movie. And I'm just like, but when were you going to tell me about the E-11 blaster rifle? Get fucked, you nerd. <laughs> so yeah, at this point in production, um, there is nothing. It is at the incredibly earliest stages of production. Um, there is no script. Nobody's really been hired to write it at all. Um, as it is, the only person they have, even in talks, is a potential director, uh, Stephen Daldry. He directed uh, Billy Elliot and The Hours, and is currently in very early talks to actually direct the movie, according to THR. But nothing has been set in stone yet. Normally I'd be looking at this like, this isn't gonna happen. But since, you know, Disney is kind of in charge of it, and they're like, new Star Wars every year! I'm, I'm actually we're gonna, like, okay. This we're gonna milk you motherfuckers like you're a fucking Tauntaun. That's a Star Wars thing, right? Who gives a fuck? Give us money, you bitches. Anywho, moving along. Uh, Daniel Craig has announced that he'll be returning to James Bond. He was leaving? Yes. Apparently he hated being James Bond. Yeah, he had a fairly ex- extreme quote about doing James Bond. I'm going to see if I can try to find it. <sighs> yeah, every article when you search when you search Daniel Craig James Bond is just hey, yeah, he's going to be doing this shit. <sighs> anyway, yeah, uh, Daniel Craig announced this on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, confirming that he will be reprising the role of 007 in the upcoming Bond 25. Uh, it had been previously reported uh, by the New York Times and a bunch of other places that he had been, he is, um, that he was attached to the project, but it had never been confirmed until now. So yeah, if you like the Daniel Craig James Bond shit, you get more of it. I actually personally think he's one of the better Bonds, so yay, I guess. Okay, then. Oh, actually, yes. Here we go. Uh, apparently, in an interview with Time Out, uh, when asked if he'd consider doing another movie after Spectre, he said, I'd rather, bl- I'd rather break this glass and slash my wrists. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Wow. He then went on to clarify. Okay. He went then on to clarify to say that if I did another Bond movie, it would only be for the money. Oh no. So yeah. Have fun with that. Knowledge, Daniel Craig, James Bond fans. <sighs> That's kind of depressing. Moving on to our next piece of news, depressing. which is even more depressing. So John and Eric Hober, uh, the writers 
of Red and Red 2 have just signed on to re- to um, rewrite the live-action adaptation of Naruto. What? Yeah. Lionsgate is adapting the Naruto manga in a live-action movie, and those two have been hired to rewrite the script. I'm sorry. I'm, I think I'm going crazy. Did you say... Live action Naruto? Yes, I did. Yeah, this is this is the thing. This exists. This is happening. What am I smoking that makes me keep hearing you say that? Cause that's nonsense. No, what's nonsense is the guy who's directing it, it will be his second movie he's ever directed. Oh, this is gonna be good. Yeah, the first movie he ever directed is The Greatest Showman, the biopic about P.T. Barnum. This director previously was a VFX artist who, as a VFX, who, as a VFX artist, has six credits to his name. See, so, yeah. Get ready for that, fuckers. Moving on to some actually interesting news that seems like it will never happen. Uh, so, Mitch Lowe, a co-founder of Netflix, um, early early executive in Netflix stuff, uh, has, has a startup called MoviePass, which is a... Movie ticket subscription service. What? So basically, you pay a monthly fee. And you can go to whatever movies you want. That's different. Yes. So it is a a subscription service where you pay a single monthly fee. And then any theaters that are involved in this specifically theaters in the U.S. You will then be able to go to one showing every day at any theater that is part of this. So, too bad, Canada. You don't get to join our weird subscription service. Yeah, and so according to and so according to this article from Time, specifically time.com slash money, Uh, yeah, it is, it is a one showing at at any theater in the U S that accepts debit cards and it will be full ticket price for each ticket used by the subscriber, excluding 3d and IMAX screenings. And all of this, the low, low price of nine 95 a month. So since I only go to about one movie in theater, I might as well just pay for the movie in theater. Yeah, but the movie in theater is like, what, 12 bucks? Roughly. And then I don't have to have another subscription to another fucking service. Well, is the reason that you only go to like one movie a month because there's only one movie a month that comes out that you want to see or that be, or because you can only afford one movie a month? I can afford to go to movies every single day of the week if I wanted to. Well, 
My, let me rephrase this. My wife could afford to go to movies every single day of the week if she wanted to. So I can guilt her into taking me to movies more than uh, once a month. We just don't because we're kind of lazy. Like, it's not even that there's only one movie a month that we wanted to see. Like, I was kind of sad that I didn't end up going to see, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, the Dark Tower with my mother. I'm happy now. Because, seriously, fuck that movie so hard in the ass that it explodes out of the mouth. Tell me how you really feel. How I really feel? (laughs) I really feel like it could be shit upon for 14 days and it would only improve the quality of the piece. Yeah. So, anywho. Yeah, this thing's a kind of a big gamble. I mean... Don't get me wrong. Critics will love it. I mean, if it came to Canada, yeah, I would. Well, there are a lot of American-based critics, and fuck they'll them. love it because... Yes, fuck them. Whatever. They already go to press screenings. True. True. I that don't. very true. Yeah, that is true. So, yeah, uh, this is... Bizarre. I do not understand how business works. See, I don't see how this could possibly be profitable to movie theaters. Well, well, movie, I mean, no, bo- no, I don't understand. I don't understand how it could be profitable to MoviePass because MoviePass pays the theaters for the tickets. Well, like, so wait, they're just yeah. Like, so, so they so, don't have a deal so where the tickets are free no so like they're paying no, outright according to this according to this article by time movie pass will pay theaters the full price for each ticket used by subscribers they must be gambling on most people not using their tickets in an average month and therefore they'll make a profit on any tickets not used because I have no fucking idea how this works. Because like they're paying ten, because like one person paying ten bucks a month, you need to have fucking millions of people, like potential, like like most of the country, sign up for this, I guess, in order to actually get this to work in a sustainable way. In a sustainable way, yes, I will give you that. But I think it could, you could work and make a small profit off of it, with say a million people subscribe to it. Yeah, so according to Time, once again, uh, the company apparently raised money uh, for this by selling a majority stake in... By, by selling a majority stake in the company to Helios and a data firm called Matheson Analytics, Inc. Uh, the companies have really de- um, declined to comment uh, on the terms of actually funding this. Uh, but MoviePass will apparently having a initial public offering in March... To sell more stock, I guess. Raise more capital. Because you're going to need a fucking huge safety net once this thing actually kicks off proper. Yeah, this is... I don't know what this will be. All I know is that I will never get it. I don't, I don't mean... And I don't mean like as a... I don't mean as a fucking, like, 
as like, a, as like any kind of like stand against it, like, oh, I'm boycotting this thing because I don't believe in this. No, I'll never get it because even if it gets good enough, it will never come to Canada. No matter what. Because for some reason, all the interesting shit never comes to Canada. Anywho, moving along. So, you know, Jared Leto's the Joker. Oh, yeah, I've heard about this. He's getting a movie. Yep, an or- Joker origin story. Because you, know you know what the most interesting thing about the Joker is? Where he comes from. Yeah, that's not the biggest, one of the biggest mysteries in comics, because that's the most interest. like, seriously, people, what the fuck? Who the Joker was before he was the Joker doesn't matter. Like, like the reason that... What's re- interesting about the Joker's origin is the fact that it's constantly changing, and that's actually canon. No, the canon is he has, he has a defined origin story, it's just he doesn't remember what it is. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, like even even in the what even, I mean by- even, even in like the like the most well accepted Joker origin story, the Killing Joke, he says, "I might be remembering this wrong." But yeah, then that became canon, and then it became canon that the Joker was always crazy, but then became like super crazy when he made when he was made the Joker, and then it turned out he's an immortal chaos god who lives in the fucking Gotham sewers. fucking stupid and what's especially stupid is the people involved in this fucking movie oh I might go see it just to watch the train wreck collide with the so cliff the movie is being written by Todd Phillips the guy from the hangover movies (laughs) alongside (laughs) Scott Silver the writer of 8 Mile I don't know what 8 Mile is. That's the Eminem movie. Ah. <laughs> Phillips is also on board to direct it, and will be producing it alongside one Martin Scorsese. What? Yep. I was on board with this train wreck until then. <laughs> Oh, and actually, apparently, uh, this movie is the first film in a brand new banner of movies from Warner Brothers and DC oh, DC, to, no. to expand on the canon of DC properties and create, quote, unique storylines with different actors playing the iconic characters. DC, honey, no. Focus so essentially, comments. they're making a movie line out of Elseworlds. But without it being actually Elseworlds. Honey, no. This... That's not going to end up well. Ooh, my God. Okay, so according to this article, Jared Little will not be playing the Joker in this movie. It will be a different actor, possibly younger, but he will be reprising the, his role in a Suicide Squad sequel, because that apparently exists, as well as in the Harley Quinn oh, spinoff, no. which also apparently exists. no. No, why? Stop that. Never. They, will, they will never stop this. Marvel is making too much money. They need to fucking sit down and say, all right, we need to make money. Can all right, Do we come up with interesting ideas or fuck ourselves? Then everybody else in the room is already forming the fucking love train. <laughs> 
So the guy who asked the question was like, oh, well, just pulls down his pants. Yep. Meanwhile, the lady in the room is like, I'm... so should I be at the front? I'm just going to leave. So should I be let the front? you guys do this. So do I leave or should I go to the front? <laughs> I mean, I could go somewhere in the middle. I mean, I have, I have something. I can get the strap on for my purse. No. Uh, uh, okay, I, I'm going to coffee. Anybody want a coffee? <laughs> this joke has gone on far too depressingly, disturbingly long. Yep, moving on. Stars is developing a action drama series called The Black Samurai. Starring Common. smile Com- faded from my face. Starring Common. Who? Uh, did you watch John Wick Part 2? I haven't gotten to see it yet, no. He's John Wick's rival assassin in that. He's also a rapper. Okay. Ah. Yeah, so Common will be starring in his A producing in it. Uh, it is coming from Jerry Bruckheimer. Okay. And the RZA. No. <laughs> My favorite thing is that I know who the RZA is, but not from his music. Yeah, from all of his film work. <laughs> yes. Like Wu Tang for life, fuck I, that shit. Wu films, motherfucker. So I know who the is. And I love I love the Wu Tang clan, not for their music, but for their love of Kung Fu movies. Because that's the world we live in, people. Yes it is. So anywho. Uh the series will be based on a series of novels, uh called the Black Samurai novels, written by one Mark Olden. <sighs> Uh, with the series being written by Cormac and Marion Wiberly, the writers of Bad Boys 2, National Treasure, and National Treasure Book of Secrets. Okay, I like two of those. Mostly because they're steam mostly because one of them is a steaming pile of trash. Which ones are you talking about? Guess at home. <laughs> yeah, so Black Samurai, the show will be following Robert Sand, played by Common. A highly trained American army ranger whose life is transformed when he meets a legendary Japanese master who invites him to train as a samurai. After his beloved sensei and samurai brothers are killed by mercenaries, Sand is thrust on a worldwide journey of both revenge and self-discovery. So yeah. That actually doesn't sound as bad as I thought. Yeah, they're... There was a previous adaptation of The Black Samurai, um, a 1977 movie starring Jim Kelly. And yeah, according to the producers, quote, it will be a mashup of the spy and martial arts genres and infused with the heart, soul, and music of Common and the Wu-Tang Clan, creating a modern-day international action star. Oh, no. Because we all know Kung Fu goes... Actually, Kung Fu goes pretty well with rap. Yeah. Like, Man with the Iron Fists I might actually have to watch this. Like, Man with the Iron Fists wasn't that great, but the action was actually really well done. I might have to watch this. 
Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed the man with the iron fist. Yeah, I'll be fucking watching it. And Stars actually puts out decent, Yeah, and Stars puts out like decent television. Yeah. Yeah, they they did fucking If the people behind this put half as much gusto as the people behind fucking Ash versus Evil Dead. Oh, that was a great series. Yeah. Yeah, it fucking is. And that's Stars, dude. So yeah, it could Oh fuck, Stars also also put out American Gods. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, this could be all right. Yeah. I right. couldn't actually get I didn't actually get to finish American Gods because it's well, good. One of the people, well, one of the people in the room got super like skeevy during like un, like they got super uncomfortable during the creepy white woman trying to have sex with the current main black guy. Like this is like first episode. Shadow? Like what yeah, that guy. Wait, is is it the is it uh the is it Dane Cook's wife? I don't know. Is it in a graveyard? What yeah, it's in a graveyard. Yeah, that's Dane Cook's and wife. And I had to voice complaint for them because they weren't gonna say anything. Yeah, that is yeah, Dane, yeah that is Dane Cook's wife who is trying to fuck Shadow because she is super drunk after finding out that her husband has been fucking Shadow's wife, who are both now dead. Yeah. For reference. see more of that series. It's a really good series. Yeah. Anyway, and final piece of news. Big piece of news, actually. Uh, so, Patty Jenkins... The director of Wonder Woman is currently in final negotiations to direct Wonder Woman 2. This... I support it. Yeah, totally. She is a good director. She did a good job on Wonder I mean, sure, that final fight scene could have ended a lot sooner, but otherwise... I, I, I blame that on Zack Snyder. No... How could you blame it on Zack Snyder? Because he wrote it. Yeah, but she had control over, you know... She really it. didn't. It's part It's part of a cinematic universe being led by Zack Snyder, and is also DC, so there is a lot of mandates from the top. Yeah, because that never fucks anything. I'm just assuming that the only reason that movie was as good as it was was specifically because of Jenkins. I'll agree with that mindset. He's that movie. It had problems, but it was a decent flick. Like, solid movie. With, like, de- with like really good... A lot of really good stuff in it. It, it just... It did exactly what Wonder Woman should do, and it gave me hope. Yeah, totally. It gave me hope for the DC movie. It gave, yeah, it gave... No, it, like, it, gave, it gave hope, period. Like, that fucking movie is set in World War I. Like, yeah. the, like the shittier of the wars. And really? Because I'm pretty sure more people died during World War II. Yeah, but things were more miserable in World War One. Like trenches. Trench rot. Yeah, like trenches. Like World War, World War II, yeah, it was like bigger scale, had a lot more death and stuff, but World War One had trenches. So did World War II, and that's where we found out about trench rot, but didn't do anything about it, because it would have meant removing troops. Now, World War, World War One is the original, I guess. So, I guess I guess that's where my head is at. 
Represent OG <laughs> You are too white to say that. And I know that you're I Yeah I am. Yeah. I really am. Stick with your potatoes. <laughs> oh, I want to call you racist, but you're Irish. <laughs> Ethan Bigora. Oh, just lick me shillelagh and shut your trap. Blarney. I don't know. <laughs> oh. So, anywho. For those who don't know the full story for this, uh, because this is kind of actually a bit of a full story. Uh, so, Patty Jenkins, once you sign on for Wonder Woman, she only signed on to do a single movie, which is Wonder Woman. After the movie fucking destroyed everything in terms of fucking records for female-led stuff, records for female-directed stuff, the track record of DC movies up to that point. And this was a big step forward in a bunch of different fucking fields. It was announced there would be a sequel. Gal Gadot would be returning in it, uh, and it would be coming out in a couple years. However, there was no deal for Patty Jenkins. Uh, and one of the reasons for this was because she expected to be paid more and be paid the same as a fucking male director after that fucking thing. And yeah, apparently she had to fight for that because Hollywood's run by fucking retards. Yeah. When the highest paid female actress is paid, Half of the highest paid male. There's a problem. Yeah, it's... Uh. But yeah, uh, she is now getting into fun talk for this deal, and if it goes through, um, it will actually elevate her to the highest paid female director in Hollywood. She deserves it. <laughs> she managed to salvage Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's... This story, as I'm hearing more and more about it, I I realized that I didn't really think a lot about this stuff before. And now I kind of am realizing that it's like validation for the thought that I've had that everybody's a fucking idiot. Not everybody. Like everybody m- in charge. Like majority. No, it's just everybody in charge. Yeah, it's, it's like yeah, it's like once you get to a certain position in a company, it's in or a certain position in anything. Like you just begin shitting your brain, literally. They give you stupid pills, just you know, so that you know everyone doesn't feel bad. Yeah, it's it's like equilibrium, but instead of taking like emotion dampening. Pills you take a emo- you take intelligence dampening pills. Anyway, does for news. New releases wise, not much coming out this week. Uh, we got Goon: Last of the Enforcers, the sequel to the Goon movie. Not the Goon, but the movie Goon. What's the Goon movie? I've, I've uh, so Goon the mo- so Goon 
is a movie starring Sean William Scott where he plays a hockey enforcer. Okay. Hockey enforcers are dudes who fight in hockey. Was it any good? I, I, dude, I know hockey. Yeah, I really fucking dug it. It was hockey is like my favorite <laughs> of the sports because it's the most violent, and they don't give a shit about the violence, which makes it glorious. Yeah, Goon was a real solid movie. Like it, like the humor was a bit understated, but it actually did a really great job with character stuff. Um, I really like Doug, uh, Sean William Scott's Doug. Uh, Liev Schreiber is in it, and he's fucking great. Okay. And yeah, it's about hockey, and I'm Canadian. Isn't that a little bit stereotypical, dead man? Says the Southerner who had opinions about what kind of grits he eats. <laughs> um, that's what I'm going to eat once this recording's done. I me some grits. Thank you, dead man. Uh, and then also coming out this week, for some fucking reason, the first episode of the Marvel's Inhumans TV series being released in Uh, IMAX theaters. See, I've seen trailers for that, and if you can't even make a trailer look interesting, you're not doing a good job. Dude, it's the fucking Inhumans. They could make the greatest trailer ever. And the and the, and the series would still look less than slightly interesting. Uh, there's a lot that they could do with the Inhumans. There's a lot they could do but with individual would... Inhumans. Inhumans as a collective are terrible. Like if, if they if they if they announced there was gonna be a TV series based on fucking Lockjaw, I'd be fucking down for that. For those who don't know, Lockjaw is the Inhumans' giant teleporting bulldog. Best character ever. And he's adorable. Oh, he is the cutest. <laughs> he is the best. He hangs out with Kamala Khan. Realizing that she's the only fucking salvageable in the human's character outside of Lunella Lafayette. I think, um, fuck, what's his name? Um, Thunderbolt's not that bad. Black Bolt? Am I saying that? Black Bolt, thank you. He has interesting powers. Yeah. That's about like, it. He can be executed well. It's just... Yeah, most things can, but nobody ever does. One of my favorite uh, bits from Black Bolt is when uh, it's World War Hulk. (laughs) It's just like, I'm the most... I could literally obliterate you with my voice. And Hulk's like, Hulk smash. So he beats the shit out of Black Bolt. Just ignoring his powers. Oh, that's my favorite bit with Black Bolt. My favorite bit with Black Bolt is him getting his ass handed to him. <laughs> yeah, and then, and, then just, and then just the fucking like, like the holographic projection of the Hulk on the moon to Earth, just like, hey, just like, hey, give me, give me Reed Richards, Tony Stark, and Professor Xavier, or I do this to everybody in the fucking planet. Holds up his destroyed corpse. Did he die there? No, he's still alive. He then went on to yeah. blow up. At, he then went up to blow up Adelan on top of fucking New York, dropping it into the fucking Hudson River, or Hudson whatever, and releasing a swath of Inhumans across the world because Marvel doesn't have the movie rights to the X-Men. What? Marvel doesn't have the movie rights to the X-Men anymore, or ever, so they made a concerted effort in their comics to sideline the X-Men as much as possible and bring the Inhumans into the forefront. Okay. Like, they did did it to the point where, like, people, people, like... Any hatred they had towards mutants then immediately shifted over to the Inhumans in a way that felt so fucking clunky. 
Anyway. Next week, new releases. Uh, It. Probably get drunk and go see that. Yep, I'll probably... I might see it if I have money. Uh, a movie that currently has 100% of Rotten Tomatoes uh, that I've never heard of before called Antimatter. Which is described as a sci-fi noir film. Ooh. Uh, yeah, knowing that Jessica Jones is noir, I'm actually <laughs> feeling like I came at the... Like, seriously! Like, now I'm like, wow, that, no, that actually is, like, that works. I like that. I'm, I'm so mad that I didn't realize it was supposed to be noir before. God, I'm so mad at myself. Yeah. Also, I was make- actively, like, mad at the show for making me enjoy it and hate it at the same time. Yeah, so I was coming out next week, uh, Rememory, uh, one of the final roles of Anton Yelchin. Starring alongside Peter Dinklage. And then also, a movie called 9-11. It's a film about 9-11. Starring Whoopi Goldberg. And Charlie Sheen. No. No. And Gina Gershon. Wait. And Louise Guzman. Is Charlie Sheen dead? No. No? I don't think so. I thought he died. Let me double, let me check. Charlie Sheen, that's the guy who's like super on crack, right? Coke. Yeah, crack is whack, crack is cheap. Yeah, no, he died. No, that was... Nope, he's alive. Are you on crack? What? I could have sworn I read he was dead somewhere. No, he didn't die. He just locked a bunch of porn stars in a closet. It's on Tiger Blood, motherfucker. Oh, but he does have... but But he might have AIDS. Maybe that's what I read. I don't yeah, know. two years back he was he announced that he was uh, HIV positive, having been diagnosed back in 2011. So yeah, there's that depressing note. Oh, and uh, oh, 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 what? This puts a whole new spin on that movie. What? Apparently, Sheen has become an outspoken activist, advocate, sorry, for the 9-11 truth movement. No! On September 8th, 2009, he appealed to President Barack Obama to set up a new investigation into the attacks. Presenting his views as a transcript of of a fictional encounter with Obama, he was characterized by the press as believing the 9-11 commission was a whitewash and that the administration of former President George W. Bush may have been responsible for the attacks. He's also anti-vax. Yeah, no, he can... No, he can't suck my dick because I don't want AIDS. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I went there, motherfuckers. It's fine. He can can kiss my grits. I don't care. He injected so much tiger blood, I'm pretty sure he's some kind of weird liger. Yeah. There's that. That's going to do it for this week. Thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another episode of the DeathStoreProds.com Movies Television Podcast. Three hour show. 
And it kind of felt like when it. when we come back from another show. Well, yeah. from, a, from a hiatus. Yeah, and it kind of felt like it. Uh, so thank you all for joining us. Uh, back two weeks time. episode of the Astral We tell the podcast. In between now and then, though, we got, we got bullshit coming out. I don't know. Might have, a com- might have a Let's Watch coming out for that Death Note movie. Other stuff. Going to be moving soon, so hopefully that will help me get production back up and running to a regular schedule. But until then, I'm dead. And I'm Caveman. And we will see you guys next time. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.